0: Get away.
1: Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Tuesday, November the 7th, 2023. This is episode 3399 of the Survival Podcast. That means tomorrow we shall turn a page to episode 3400. But not today. Note one more before we break out of the 3300s. And it's going to be a good one today. I've got Nicole Sauce and John Willis. I'm about to drop in a live feed that we just completed uh, right before I uh, recorded this intro. This is what we call our First Tuesday Coffee Chat. I had actually been doing these with them for well over a year now and not running them as an episode. And I was doing that because I believe that Nicole really wanted to have them exclusively. Turns out she's totally cool with us both running these uh, as podcast episodes. So I'm going to start doing that. It won't be a uh, it will be a semi regular thing I guess once a month one Tuesday a month we do this it's a lot of fun you get a lot of different perspective on it we cover a whole bunch of stuff today so without further ado let's go ahead and drop on into the live feed.
0: Howdy everyone and welcome to our Tuesday coffee chat with uh, Jack Spierko and John Willis who is totally probably not drinking coffee right now. <laughs> what are you drinking today, John?
2: Uh, some pre-workout but I had coffee 20 minutes ago
0: mmm anyway it's our monthly meeting of the minds and here's how this works guys if you've got a question or topic you'd like us to talk about put the word question in all caps and then write the rest rest of what you have to say or comment in all caps if you want us to read a comment keep it clear though because sometimes we have a lot of shorthand and we get confused don't confuse the people you want to get answers from be really clear and then it's way better So I thought we'd start, like, just around Robin, what is on your mind this week? Like, what's top of your mind, Jack?
1: Well, I was just telling you all before we started, I literally have no idea what's going on except the transvesto. Uh, And that's only because my wife told me I couldn't be happier to have no idea what's going on out there. I, I, I feel so much more happy right now than I usually do when I'm in touch with the news.
2: So nobody, nobody's uh, sent you a message or called you and actually verbally communicated to you that the world is uh, – the sky's falling. Nothing's happened. You don't, you don't know about anything going on.
1: I don't, and I'm kind of happy about it. Now, people sent me plenty of shit, but honestly, if it wasn't set in the right format during a workshop week, it just got deleted. Yeah. So, so if you sent me something and didn't hear back and you expected to hear back because it was the kind of thing you would hear back and you haven't heard back by now and you didn't send your message in the last – Seven and a half minutes. You should resend that with TSPC in the subject line. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> There's the format for asking a question, guys, right there. Do that, and we'll know your question is your question, and we'll do it. We'll, we'll bring you on. All right.
2: John, what's the top of your mind this week? Uh, chicken just finished molting, and if you have a chicken that's not molting, that's probably your lesser egg producer. The ones that molt and get it over with, those are generally your better egg producers. And my quail all stopped laying eggs all at the same time. So I'm curious, do quail molt? I don't know the answer to that. Um, so that might be why my quail are not molting. And then the dog was going absolutely ape shit, and I found a big old possum in there. And I took that possum and put it into a rabbit cage right behind there um, and then realized the rabbit cage wouldn't close. So I took the possum and I'm like, what do I do with this enormous possum? So I let him go with the cats. I don't know where he is. Uh, <laughs> and I think that maybe – the possum scared some fear into the quail and maybe they stopped laying because of the possum. That's what's on my mind.
1: It's possible. Um, Quail generally molt right at 18 months, but with yours being outside, there may be some seasonality to it, but they will not molt before that 18 month number. Most people keep quail for high production. When they molt, they've kind of got it on a calendar and yeah, heads come off, breasts come out, that type of thing. And uh, that sounded awful. Anyway, um, and you have like a group seven weeks prior to that date that you've incubated, and you incubate more than you need because you need X number of girls, and you get pretty close to an even swap, and then you call your surplus males and your multis all at the same time. And your multis are going to be older, so they're going to be tougher, but they, they, if you want to pluck them, they pluck really freaking easy because they're in pluck mode.
2: I'll bet they're they're at about 18 months right now. Cody started them. I know they went through last winter, so I bet we're rolling up on 18 months.
1: Because it is an age-sensitive thing, and they will go further if they've adapted to the climate outdoors, probably. I've never seen it with quail, but like my ducks, that's one of my strategies. I bring young ducks in in late winter, and that way they're laying through the molt while the rest of my flock is molting and not laying.
2: A lot of people I see say, too, like chickens, for instance— When you bring in your next year's birds, do all reds or all grays or all whites, so you know which ones on that second or third year when you're going to ax those things. If you have a low-production animal like that, you have a pet.
1: Yeah, I used to do my ducks that way. I would bring in, like, all runners, and then the next cycle, like, all golden 300s, and then the next cycle, like, all 300 layers. That's when we were commercial. You know, now I have, like, 30 birds, so they actually have – I counted today. I have twenty-two mallard breed ducks. That's how many mallard breed, not drakes, ducks I have right now. And that's probably as many as we need. We also we evicted all the bantam chickens. They're all gone except one. She escaped to her own detriment. Vic Ferguson spent the majority of the workshop hunting the crow chicken. He didn't get her until the last night, and it's it's her good fortune that he did. Because any chickens that are here that shit on the porch from this point forward, they're either getting gammoed or rugged. They can yep. you know whichever one's oh. closer when I go grab it.
0: I was ready to shoot every one of those birds last week.
2: Yeah. It was yeah. it was difficult to listen to your uh, cooking show outside or your patio show with Jack with that yeah. damn rooster, man. I was so glad when you said that thing was dead. Oh, ready. that
1: dude's been dead for like two years. <laughs>
2: but,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. Everybody, every, every bird that left this place, Nick Ferguson took half and another, I don't remember who it was, took the other half. They're all related to him and the one old lady hen that started that whole line, that whole group of blue phantoms.
2: Yep. Uh, Janet Zabo. Amanda has not sewn on the treadle machine, uh, but Amanda actually, I think, bought another really nice one this weekend. I found uh, an old timey like you used to see them in boxing gyms, a scale that you stand on. They came out of factories and it's a Toledo scale. So we have to go pick that up. And we're waiting to hear from the guy if he's going to let her um, buy that. I think he will. We, we get a lot of stuff out of there. Why wouldn't he let her buy it? Did he want it for display? He, yeah, he wants it for himself. It's really oh. nice. It's really <laughs> nice.
0: But when you're an antique dealer, like, that's a slippery slope to go down because you'll end up with a, way too many things for yourself.
2: Yeah, I, I think he knows the deal with it. Um, I, think he, I think it is just so nice that – and he's an old dude. Like, I don't think he's ever going to sew on this. I think he's just in the same boat that that's the nicest one he's ever seen.
1: So there is a fine line between antique ju- dealer and junk man.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Really, really fine line. That's I like that show Pickers even though I know a lot of it's BS. All those shows are on uh History or whatever where the guys go around and they look for stuff, but they'll be like, "Well, uh, do you have the door that goes with this thing?" And the guys like, "Oh, yeah, I know right where that is." And they're like, <laughs> "Climb over this mountain of shit, lift two things and it's exactly where he said it would be." And, like, you can tell those two things haven't even been together in, like, 10, 20 years. And they're like, well, how much do you want for that? Oh, I don't know if I can let that go. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I say some of it's bullshit, but that part's not. I totally know those dudes from yeah. when I was a kid. The old men around me I'm like, well, do you want to sell that or something? Like, oh, that's – I I got two. You know, I've had that for a long – it hasn't moved. Like, you take it and you pick it up, and there's, like, an outline where the, the paint faded on the shelf because this thing hasn't moved forever but they
2: won't let go of it that's me that's me (laughs) i have buildings full of that shit you when you find that 80 year old guy you got to find his relatives in town and just be like hey when he dies yep when he dies i'll take everything (laughs) (laughs) you're not gonna have to clean up nothing i'll empty it all out for you
1: yeah like that's that's like a buying strategy too. look to like sooner or later you're gonna pass on all stuff's gonna be there and your relatives are gonna sell it all or you could have the money yeah, like no, nah, I mean, just one day I'm gonna refurb this. You know, it was. We a were, that had an old Barracuda when I was a kid, and like, what work did it need? Just all the things that you can think of a car needs with work after it: body work, suspension work, engine work, all of it. But he was sure one day he was gonna rehab it. He was like 88. I'm like, whatever, man. You know,
2: we were standing in line at a fabric store, listening to the lady tell the lady, the other lady in front of us, her um, father collected these little. Tractors, these toy tractors, and she said uh, she wanted to sell them. And the lady said, "My husband will come and appraise them." And she like, "Oh, I don't know." The neighbor <laughs> next door offered my dad twenty thousand dollars, and he didn't take it. Yeah. Well, I guess you've got. I guess you don't need twenty grand. <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I do you
1: it. love that when you offer somebody money for something and like, well, I had an offer yesterday for like you know, five hundred more or five thousand yeah. more, or whatever. Why did you say take you it? should call that dude back right now? Mm. You know, yeah, yep. You're not bullshit. If somebody really offered you that for this and you didn't take it, you should call that guy back.
2: If I ever come up missing or like a piano falls on me and kills me, I have prices and I have notes and photos of all this bullshit I've bought. So, you know exactly what I paid for it and, you know, all the lineage and history on it. So.
0: Well, that's actually valuable for the resale later after you die. Yep i call those those projects that you're going to get to that we keep around our prep places i call those piles of someday
1: piles of someday. <laughs>
0: piles of someday i've started getting rid of my piles of someday by taking them to the local Same. auction house
2: Same. and getting
0: some money for someday
2: yeah that's that's my whole work bay.
0: <laughs> that's true i have seen it i mean your upstairs is pretty epic i have to say like you have the most amazing collection of cool stuff up there
2: the whole oh, oddities. Well, we hid 70% of it so you could see any of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that just means next time I'm up there, a different, a different uh, 30% yeah. will be out, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, let's see. So Amanda
2: has ordered a belt
0: for that treadle. Uh, that's what she told us. We should get her on one of these at some point. I think that'd be fun.
2: Is yeah. that the lady asking? That's the sewing machine lady? Yeah, that's Janet. Man, I very much enjoyed the time that I spent talking to her.
0: Yeah, she's amazing. She is amazing. Okay, we have a question from John Davis. Speaking of breeding, Jack, do you have any good resources on how to properly line breed?
1: So there's actually a video on my channel, and you could probably just put in, like, genetics and find it. It's really you kind of take the same path when you're doing animals that you do with uh, plants, and that is, like, if you have a really great cross, which is where that project started out, I took a, a splash blue old English game bantam and a buff orpington bantam, and I put them together, and they just made these beautiful birds. The hens have, like, black comb and black head, and they have this chestnut and, like, this purple, blue, black body. And then the next generation is going to throw mongrels. They're going be They're going to drift back to the male and the female. But some of them will show the traits that you got from the F1. They'll show that in what you call your F2 cross. Those are the birds you want to select your, you would select your cockerels and your hens that are closest to that F1 and isolate them and breed them. If you take them about six to seven generations, you'll get a stabilized new breed. And this is what's been done with everything. Like, you know, if you take a shepherd and a collie and you breed them, your puppies will be shepherd collies and they'll look cool. But if you breed those dogs, then you'll get some drift, genetic drift back. And in the particular line I did, it was interesting. And I haven't done a lot. I've done a lot with snakes. I haven't done it that much with birds. So I'm not sure if this is true, you know, with other birds or other breeds of chicken. But in my line, the females drifted to the male side on the genetic drift. And the males drifted to the female side on the genetic drift. That was kind of interesting to me. But I haven't done a lot with it. But it was all of it is always the case of finding the traits you want and continuing to breed. And I would also say, like, I was just playing with it. If I was serious about it, I would have went out and got like five Billy Roy's and like five old lady brown hens. And that way I would have had more genetic diversity to work with because those are like totally inbred. They're like the hillbillies from Beverly Hillbillies right now.
0: They're your hillbilly bantams. Yeah. Okay, I actually was trying to click here. Uh, (laughs) Any suggestions on bulking up my birds for freezer camp? My average dress weight has been two pounds on breasts. I actually have a comment on this first So I bulked them up the same way I always do by feeding them as much as they want to eat and all of my table scraps in like a deep mulch system because I raised American breasts this year, but I waited till five months to process them and they were bigger than that at at five months. I think the answer is uh, 12 weeks might be too soon for that breed, but they're delicious. They're better. They are. They taste way better than the Cornish cross way better.
1: So I haven't done them yet, but if you really want to fatten them up, what you finish them on is like corn and raw milk. And that's what uh, the girl we've stayed in her Airbnb a couple of times down in Austin is doing with hers. So she's finishing them on corn and raw milk, like a mush. And that puts just a ton of fat and carbs into them at the same time. And carbs will add fat. Fat will really not add fat, but fat and carbs together. You get lots of fat added to the point where they're the bird that if you do that, you're supposed to actually be able to get marbling in a poultry and that would be awesome. I just, you know, that's another one of those things. And there are no more chickens here. So says Dorothy. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a breviary though. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. John agrees. They taste different. They taste amazing. And I didn't get marbling. I didn't try to get marbling. I was perfectly happy with just normal. And I don't even like chicken most of the time, but I like those chickens.
1: I think so. time is the thing. I did the uh, Dixie Rainbows one year, and mm-hmm. at like 11, 12 weeks, they were much smaller than Cornish. By the time they were 20 weeks, they were like little turkeys. I mean,
2: they mm-hmm. were like dressed weights of like 10 pounds plus.
0: John Willis, can you tell us about raising chickens the size of turkeys?
2: Well, I mean, yeah, they're all dead now. We We just didn't. We just didn't harvest them at 10 weeks, right? We let them go for a year and a half and two years. You always hear a Cornish cross will snap their legs and they have heart attacks. And and I'm sure there is some of that. Um, But I mean, we ran 75. I was just talking to a dude last night on live said he's going to run two separate pins. And I said, man, we had 75 in a 10 by 10 and we just moved it uh, once or twice a day to fresh grass. And on real hot, hot days, you would have like one would just die. Um, But I mean, out of the whole summer, we had like maybe four or five expire. Um, I'm really good at raising meat. I'm not really good at butchering and using meat. Like we grow a ton of stuff. So when those birds would die one by one, like the last one died right at probably a year and a half. I had three of these things out there, roosters, Cornish cross, and they're so fat. Something like I, maybe the wind would knock them over. And I come out and he's upside down. And and I'm like, Oh man, that, that bird's dead and then you see this. And I'm like, oh so i flip him back over and he'd be he's like, Oh thank you but I would take him and turn him back upside down to test it and he couldn't move unless he's upside down. So yeah, just, just keep feeding them and they'll grow. But as far as like Jack said making those other birds bigger at twenty weeks, what I would want to see is the cash conversion to input versus, you know, meat on the backside. Because that's the thing with those Cornish crosses is you can they grow so yeah. ridiculously quick, and you know what that input's going to be on that feed um, to get those seventy-five or a hundred birds. Yeah. the math is just so. It, the math has been repeated so many times over and over.
0: Well, yeah. plus people like the flavor of them who are not me. Yeah, they love the big-breasted birds, and I just yeah. the dark meat's the best. You I like just heard.
2: Buds. And I cannot lie. <laughs> I just, go ahead. I had just heard that um, most of your like Tyson chicken and those guys—they're feeding them uh, grease, grease—and there was something else that was weird. It is not chicken feed from from some of these videos I've been watching. They're like, man, the feed—the chicken you get from the grocery store—they don't move. They sit in cages, which we yeah. know. Yeah. And then if they're running those houses, but I've also seen the houses where they just. Auger it in. You you put up these big pig houses and these chicken houses. Tyson drops off your babies and they drop off your feed and everything. All yeah. you're responsible for is just being there if something goes catastrophic, and then getting rid of the uh, the waste product.
0: Yep. And um, just thirty day reviews. I know what the issue is with Jack's camera, and I will email him a an app that stops it from doing that after this show because okay. we have the same webcam. I had to turn off autofocus that required me to buy an app. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And right then right. and then you don't end up – that's because John was always like, there's something on your camera. There's, I'm like, I haven't touched my camera in six months. It's it just does. right it there.
2: Looks, it looks like a thumbprint.
0: Yeah. And and it, and it's not. It was that it was autofocus. Usually focusing. Like doing
2: this will
1: cause yeah. it to refocus. And what happens sometimes, it focuses on the – the skull face behind me and that throws it out. Okay. Yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah. So I just, I told mine just focus. Even if I get close, it won't change. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Anyway, um, depends on the race of Cornish cross you run. Okay. That's good. I didn't know that.
1: I so, didn't know there was more than
2: one race of Cornish cross.
1: So before we, uh, we go on from here, one of the things you can do though, is like, if you have other things going on, you can time your finishing time to other things. So Steven, so kayak with his orchard, He knows when his apples are going to come in. So he times the finishing period from his Cornish cross to when that happens. So every apple that he can't sell or has a worm in it or whatever, they just throw them in the chicken tractors. And that way they're just gorging on apple, which is pure sugar, like two, three weeks leading up to graduation day. So you can think about that. If you have like, if you live in a place where you have natural uh, native persimmons, you know, you might run a really late run when those persimmons are bleeding and dropping and just run your chickens under those persimmon trees. Because, again, you're looking at pure sugar and I'll, I'll tell you, they'll eat them. You won't have to do anything like Definitely the first right. time one pecks. it, It's going to be like they make that set, like that and then it's on, you know,
2: or pumpkins <laughs> or pumpkins. Oh, too bad pumpkins. they can't. Too bad they can't eat walnuts and pecans. Yeah. Hickory nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, somebody asked me today. Them
0: Somebody asked me today who lives in East Tennessee, they they just never got around to doing meat birds. And they're like, how about they're, the soonest they can get them is about November 18th. And they're like, should I do that? I can keep them warm. My answer was you're going to be augmenting their feed more because when it's cold outside, it's harder for them. They have to get more calories to bulk up. Yes. So it's up to you. Like, What's your point? Because you could also buy meat birds from another farmer that have been raised at this point, if it's to get the meat. And it." It might cost you a little bit more, but you don't have the hassle, the worry, the time, and the fight. Because I raised turkeys that one year, John, that I did turkeys that we did the weekend before Thanksgiving Slaughter Day. Never doing that again because I had to like feed the crap out of them the last three weeks because it was so cold. And you yeah, don't want somebody getting an unfat turkey for, for Thanksgiving.
2: But those were badass turkeys. Though. We were literally telling a lady this weekend about the, that turkey processing class.
0: Yeah. I might do another one earlier in the year. <laughs> yeah, don't forget water. Yeah, they do need a lot of water. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be, so at this time of year, you're going to get through December. You might have a few days of fighting the ice, but you probably, like, we probably won't go down to negative five for Christmas this year, too. Which See, we my get
1: thing with doing them too late in the year is it's not that I have to feed them. It's that eventually I have to process them. Yeah, and I don't want to pro. I want to process birds in like beautiful fall weather, where it's cool out, it's yeah. cold enough the flies went away. But I don't want like to be dunking my hands in the scalding pot every once in a while to warm up. Like I, I don't want to have to do that.
2: You just need an indoor processing facility. Yeah, I'm not going to have one. Yeah, he does. He
0: needs a lot of things.
2: Yeah, I need to have less things.
0: There was a big talk about building you a giant composting outhouse. Yeah, the last one. <laughs>
1: See the thing is, I would have to build basically like you walk up into yeah. it and crap into a wheelie cart because you're not going to make a hole. There will be no holes here, I yeah. promise you. You know. Well,
2: that's
0: how Paul Wheatons are.
2: Yeah. The biogas.
0: Walk, walk up to a throne.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> the home biogas system looks very appealing to me. They've got they've got several different versions and sizes. They've got it for you know two people, six people, ten people. Yeah. Um, it comes with the the bladder and then they usually they come with a, a two-burner grill. So the methane coming off of there, you can burn for two to three hours a day off of those things.
1: Yep. And, yep. and
2: I thought, well, when the weather cools off, it'd be cool to put that under a deck and then put a greenhouse on the deck so that that's heating the greenhouse, and then the greenhouse is heating that to keep that processing going. And then on the backside out of the baffles, that stuff's fully processed, and you're supposed to be able to use it right on the garden. Yeah, it's compost. I yeah, compost yeah. And the I prices. Burn you
1: are- your deck down and your greenhouse down. You're good. Oh shit, good point. <laughs> I mean, you can do it, but you got to think about how you set reflectors up, whatever. Yeah, like so. This is my my greenhouse idea for people. Um, I did two bioreactors with the students on Saturday, and by ten o'clock Sunday morning, their cores were at 160, and the pipes coming out were just steaming. And I'm like, you know, if you built these in a greenhouse or whatever. You could build one every three weeks through your winter, and they would heat your greenhouse. Or if you didn't have the room in the greenhouse, you could build them on the outside and just set them so that you have pipes that pipe the heat in. And somebody pointed out there is quite a bit of uh, volatile organic compounds that come out of it. Now, mine will be less because they are, have biochar integrated. But you could just take your horizontal pipes or even your vertical pipes and fill them with biochar. And you'll be, you'll be filtering those VOCs, which are really high nutrient. They're very valuable for plants. So, you could still do that because there is a distinctive um, ammonia like odor <laughs> as you walk over there. Some of it's from the six portageons, though.
0: Oh, gosh. Are those gone yet?
1: No. Oh. No. As long as we don't have to pay for them, they can sit there. It's not like yeah. I'm hanging out in them or anything.
0: Yeah. And when he says bioreactor 30 day reviews, it's, it's a method that he uses to compost. So it's the Johnson Sioux bioreactor. It's his shorthand for that. Go go Google that. And check it out. I'll, I'll
1: get that video. We can run it in the background.
0: Yeah. Did you we make could. a video on how you do it differently?
1: It's not it's not really how to do it. It's just you can see them. Yeah. I'm just, Let me get it
2: muted before yeah. it starts making lots of noise. You did a whole episode. I've heard several episodes on yeah. it that you've talked about it.
0: We totally copied them here.
2: I'm just going
1: to pause it because I think it'll even play in the background if I bring it up. But mm-hmm. that's what they look like when they're done, except, you know, we had some pipe migration. Those those four pipes around the center should be a little bit more evenly distributed. Yeah. It's just a big ring of goat fence covered with a uh, weed blocker. And then there's four pipes, one in the center, four around. Honestly, we have some extra pipes. You can put as many in there as you want. The pipes allow the air to flow up. Uh, I just take a chop saw and cut some slits and the pipes let the air into them. I use the cheap thin wall drain pipes because it's cheaper. You can use regular PVC if you want to spend more money. And if you need to build a lot of them, but you're not building them all in one day, you don't need that much pipe because after about two weeks, you can just pull the pipes out and the holes will stay open for you. Uh, Usually I pull mine. I didn't this year. Usually I pull them and I fill them with like mushroom spawn or something uh, because that increases the fungal activity. And if I put worms in them, protein just attracts fire ants here and they all get murdered. But that's what yep. they look like. It's pretty simple. You keep adding your material and you soak it. Like, don't do normal compo- compost where, like, squeeze it until just like, just drench the crap out of it, uh, especially when you're doing straw. And if you're doing straw out of a coop, you really don't. We did some other things that I won't get into, but you really don't need anything else. Like, uh, if you have poop and straw and put it together, and then I always cap mine with wood chips about two inches deep instead of tarping the top because it's just – well, there's a strategy there, too. So if you have wood chips that are laying around and you're, they're aged, when you pick them up, they smell of fungus. And if you put that fungus into a hot compost, it will totally get annihilated and kill it. But if you cap your compost with it, it's just going to hang out there. It's never going to get that hot up in the wood chips. And as soon as that that heat up activity starts to come back down, your fungus will just colonize into your beds. And, you know, two weeks after your temperature gets below 90, like those things just flush with mushrooms everywhere. So if you can get high fungal compost, you've got like God's compost. That's what you're looking for. That's the hardest thing to do. And that's what Johnson Sioux is all about is getting a fungal dominant compost, which is, I've never seen any other way to do it.
0: When's your master class coming?
1: I am probably going to do a small weekend class in January-ish, And I'm probably going to release a very simple two to three hour class on it. That's going to be like 20 bucks just so I can learn, learn dash and start doing more courses because I need to be able to do it. Everybody's like, hire somebody, hire somebody. when it comes to that type of work, I don't trust anybody else. Now, maybe once I have a couple little ones, then maybe I can do the big one because then I can take the person's going to do it for me and say, do it exactly like this, because if I'm going to spend five times more time to get somebody to do it for me, I'm better off doing it myself. And like, I'm going to be ass tight on that because of the, I want, I want so when somebody's dumped one of my courses and they've taken the quizzes and the final exam. I want them to feel like I know I can do this now. Uh, that would be pretty easy. So it's more of a testing for me to learn how to run the tech.
0: That makes sense. Okay. It's an
1: easy one. It's yeah, it's, it's a day's work. It, it's well, not like something I have to put weeks into.
0: Yeah, that'd be good. One last one on chickens. My breasts went broody at seven months. I have 11 chicks now. I'm going through the struggle worrying about the cold. I would not worry about the cold because they have a mom. That's what moms are for.
2: Moms know what to do. I saw somebody say that the possum will eat the chickens. The possum cannot get to my chickens. All of my chickens have dogs, and the dogs eat possums. Uh, When possums could get to my chickens, there are several times I have found possums sleeping in the nest boxes, I have no doubt they eat the eggs, but a possum is not eating my chickens. I've never found like a half eaten um, chicken. Like my chickens are bigger than any possum. Yeah. And I, I see people say that. I've, I've never had the issue with it, not to yeah. say that it can't happen, um, but I'm not concerned with the possums.
1: I've literally like walked into my chicken coop, thought there was a giant rat and it was a possum. Yep. yep. And I've seen the possum and the chicken eating out of the same. Thing at the same time. So I don't know, maybe if they get really hungry, like, and they're starving, but I've never had a possum predate on a chicken once. I I have possums everywhere. And of course, the dogs come and then they do the lay down and pretend to be dead thing. Charlie's the only dog I've ever had where that shit just doesn't work. And he doesn't eat them because I guess they taste like ass. So for about a year, I found giant dead possums laying all over the property and I barely see any possums anymore.
2: Yeah. He's decimated the population. Yeah, he has. My old shepherd,
1: like, he would run after him, and they would fly. he'd totally buy it. He'd look at him, and he'd be like, well, shit, that's no fun. He'd start walking away, and they kind of, like, start looking up. He'd run back over, and they'd lay down and do that shit again with their mouth open. And he's like, yeah, this, I'm not – like, he was the guy that doesn't want to fight the guy that won't fight back.
2: Uh, Jim Richards, Acorn Labs is a very cool YouTube channel. I've never seen any full-form content. All I ever see is shorts. Yeah, just like modern day civilian, amazing content. I've never seen any real videos though, so I assume they're putting them up behind a paywall or something.
0: Yep. Okay. This will segue us into our, our feedback on having events. Question: Was there a port winner at Jack's? So Jack did a port tasting.
1: For me, it was the Taylor Twenty, the Taylor Flyjet Twenty Year. I don't know what everybody else thought. I like, I know you liked that one best. David liked it best, but we knew that before we did it. Um, I, we did grams and Taylor. That's what we did. 10 mm-hmm. and 20 of both. Um, uh, I did find the cheap porch. Somebody drank it before the thing. Somehow it got let out into the wild. Cause we had bought like a, I don't remember what it was, but it was like, oh, a Eric got
0: let out into the wild.
1: I don't know, but I found the bottle with like a little dribble in the bottom of it. So, since it wasn't like an $80 bottle of port, I'm okay with it. But it was yeah. like w- w- the original plan was here's like generic shitty port, and then here's a good port, here's a better port, here's a good, better port, and then here's the best, best port. But since Mark brought us four meads and it ended up an eight bottle tasting, it's probably better that that one went away anyway.
0: Yeah, I would agree.
1: Yeah, Jason says yeah. the Taylor 20 was good. That's one of my, and I think it's one of the best values important. A Taylor 20 is going to run you about 40 bucks. Now you think about that. If I brought you a bottle and said, take care of this for me for 20 years. And when I come (laughs) back, I want it to be, what would you charge me? Like as a (laughs) rental place for a bottle for 20 years to be able to get something like that for 40 bucks. I think is really great. My, my all time favorite port that you can just go to the bottle shop and buy without ordering it is the Optima 20. I'm going to say that again. My all-time favorite port.
0: Take notes, guys. It's (laughs) It's not not scotch.
1: It's port. Optima 20. And I like tawnies. Tawny ports. Tawny. (laughs) (laughs) T-A-W.
0: I remember the year I did the rum Christmas Carol spoof for your show. Mm -hmm. You get people to start
1: giving you rum instead
0: of of, uh, scotch all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I drink a few scotch. People didn't get it. I was too subtle. (laughs) I
1: I, I drink scotch, but I only drink like a couple kinds of scotch, and I I feel guilty asking anybody to to bring me that. Yeah. I'm a scotch snob, I'll admit it, and I don't drink a lot of it. You know, I drink like – I'm not going to say it because somebody will do it, and it's not right. Yep.
0: So let's talk about feedback on events. We've gotten through Self-Reliance Festival. Jack's workshop is over. Uh, I know John went to check out Kentucky sustainable living. I was unable to go to that. Like, let's just go around the horn and talk about these events. Like, what do you get out of them?
1: Talking to people is huge. Yep. You know, kind of doing yours and mine two weeks apart was really cool because I got a broad spectrum of people. (laughs) And I like going to other people's events if I can make time to do it, because then I don't, I don't spend all my time fixing shit. You run events, you know, when you're running an event, no matter how smooth it runs, it feels like every 20 minutes, like you have to go fire stomp something. I have to say this time was the least fire fire stompy event I've ever had. It was quite pleasant, and I owe that to you a great deal, Nicole. Thank you so much. Sure.
0: Yeah, I thought I thought this event at your place was one of the best ones we've had in the last few years. And part of it was the culture of the attendees. Like they just gelled on day one.
1: Yeah, they did.
0: Some years we've been like, they're not quite chilling and we don't get
1: that moment till day two. We didn't have anybody we had eyes on the entire time (laughs) worried that they were like an adult school shooter either. That was helpful.
0: Yeah, that was nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was
0: a
2: bonus. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just this year because SRF was super smooth too.
1: Yeah. I think just our our core, because you always have like this group of vets that have been to many events in the past, we're just getting older and so we're more chill. So since they're kind of like, it's like when you bring birds into a flock, the new birds kind of adapt the to, to modus operandi of the existing birds. Like you have total feral asshole birds and that's not what you want. Don't get any more, right? You need to reboot and a restart, right? So like our chickens have matured and the new birds to the flock are just chill because some of our early ones, they were like frat parties, right? I mean, they really were like, you go back to like 2014 or something, I don't even know. Did they, did they call. did they even keep track of who was like the person to close down the bar yeah. at the end of the night? They yeah, there was that. always
0: somebody up till four in the morning.
1: Okay. Uh
0: there was one night where they tagged out at two thirty or so, but I understood that people stayed up till four in the morning in the other room.
1: Okay, and they didn't know about the sign off, like last person to close down. Yeah. Just for amusement purposes, because 'Cause we've yeah. had four thirty and like we're back up and running at nine thirty. Yeah. I went to bed. I guess Thursday night at like midnight and I woke up at four thirty, and I think I was just on work top workshop time. Like my body's like, okay, dude, you've had you're four hours. hours. Sleep. You get. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I like, no, I need to, I, I can sleep and be, be ready to do this again. And and it was like, no, you're going to get up. And I went to get up and Dorothy talked to me about going back to bed and I managed to find a groove and go back and sleep for like an hour. But I think we get on a timing like that too. Yeah.
0: That happens. To
1: one or two during the week. And, I, I turned in at like 1130 on Saturday night. That was yeah, you
0: were out. I was like, wow, Jack Jack tagged out early today.
1: And I you know, I quit drinking like an hour and a half before that. But then I popped half a gummy. And then that mm-hmm. was like, nope, bed. <laughs> 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 I came out of this one feeling better than I've ever. Like my Monday recovery was so much better than it's ever been, really. And but so a fire ant Vol- volley happened yesterday.
2: But there's a core of people there that you can you trust, you know. They're yeah. they're actual adults. They're they're proven, you know. Like like Kiri being in our place. I know if something happened, she could handle that yeah. if Nicole wasn't there. Yeah. And it's going to be handled in a manner that you're not like, well, that doesn't make any – You know, they're just yeah. they're adults. No, <laughs> I will say
1: whoever took and left my flat cart out in my field and didn't put it back the whole year to the field should could, could, should confess. So that there's not group punishment. Because sooner or later, we'll figure out who you are. <laughs> that's like the one transgression of the whole event. So and where the hell is all my shit that was in that cart for my plumbing? That just means you need more cameras. Yeah. Ooh, a camera in a room that Jake Robinson stays in and changes clothes. I Not that. Not that. Uh,
0: yeah, bad well, hey, either. when
1: the FBI hacks in, you know, hey, that's what you get, bitches.
2: You just need a You get <laughs> naked Jake. And <laughs> a couple pole cameras.
1: Yeah, Maybe
2: Jake. Yeah,
1: we do and, need one out in that field. I could just set up a deer camera with a Wi-Fi connection out there.
2: Yeah, super okay. easy. Mid Midgard Grove says grumbles. Yeah, SRF smooth for everyone except me. I'm not. I don't know who that person is or what happened.
0: I Go do. Forth. I in fact I was going to write him a note. He had nothing to do with SRF, but he had terrible like flat tirey sorts of problems Guy. getting there with his RV, and then where he parked they back the sewage system without closing off the oh. uh, connection to his RV and flooded his whole RV and basically totaled it. So he Holy didn't end shit. up at SRF at all. He just, like, he had a disaster. Wow. But he has well, good documentation, so hopefully he's getting – That's one of those
1: things that starts like this after that happens.
0: Well, and it's one of the places where, like, t- traditionally that campsite has been really good for people. Yeah. But, yeah. Wow. Like they just made a, they made an epic mistake.
1: Well, that
2: yeah. sums it up right there. Gross. Yeah. And the the take the ride guy, man, he's uh he's been on it every day. He's uh, put up all his social medias, and he's out there working out every single day. And there's dot, like his and his algorithm's working because I see it on all the platforms.
0: That's good. Yeah, there was one night at SRF. We we do Saturday night. We go kind of late. And same thing happened to me, Jack. I was up at five in the morning, ready to go. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and right, I was right.
0: walking around and I ran across Sam, who sang in the band, right, in the same state. And I, what was cool about that is nobody else was up. So we just sat and had a cup of coffee and got to actually talk without interruptions. That was my one like period of time where I could talk to somebody in a meaningful way at that event.
1: What I oh. thought was funny is that each day of the event, the number of people in the in the shop early drinking coffee declines. <laughs> like the first morning you walk, like after Wednesday night you walk in Thursday morning, there's like 15 people having morning coffee. Like Friday there's like six. Saturday there's like two. Yeah. And every time I'm like, did you guys stay up? And it's always a no. But I no. I, I know one day I'm gonna walk in there. It's gonna be like, oh yeah, we we haven't gone to bed yet.
0: I think this year in particular, the things I got out of events. So there was a point this fall where I was questioning my, my life and wondering why I had said yes to so many things. Yeah. And I was right. Um, I need to say no. I am saying no to more speaking engagements next year, but by the time I got through all of the events, the people I met and the connections I made were so much more powerful than they've ever been that I was like, okay, yeah, this is why I do this. This is, like, all of, like, the stories I've heard, like, really getting to know Karita Lee was really cool. uh, And some other, like, people at your event. Steven, Reisner is two hours from me.
1: still hurts.
0: And he's, like, hella smart.
1: Oh, God, yeah. 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 You you wonder if it's all the cannabis that makes him that way or if he'd be even better if he'd dial that shit back a little bit. Oh, I don't know. He's... God, the dude knows so much. He's one of those dudes you have to rein in a little bit because he starts throwing out an acronyms and stuff. And you see the people in the audience go, like, he's using words they don't know sometimes, you know. And that's because he's teaching at a PhD level most of the time. But my goal in life now is to get him, Matt, Nick Ferguson, and me and run an event that's very tight and it's on those subjects only Uh and a real-world event and not at my house. <laughs> uh, I'm to talk Matt into basically. I didn't know Matt Powers basically has a huge background in event coordinating. And then he's down in Bastrop. That's a three-hour drive for me. It's not bad for Nick. It's not that bad for Steven. Steven's up in Oklahoma. Um, that Bastrop Convention Center John Bush uses is a great venue. You can throw 500 people in there. And I would love to do a two- or three-day of just the four of us.
0: Steven's Presenting in Tennessee, us. Jack.
1: Oh, Steven's in Tennessee? I thought he was in Oklahoma. No, he lives two hours for me. Oh shit! Good, good on you. Yeah. Why did I think he lived? Maybe he's just. He was
0: like Nicole. You that. know, I live close to you. I'm like, yeah, we're gonna talk.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that dude. And what I love about him, he's all into the Korean natural farming. But when they do like the IMO three, four, and five, like it's a lot of work, and you're making a ton of material, and they're like, "We well, only need this much for your garden." Then why the fuck am I making all this? So yeah. He goes to the IMO two level, which is just you stabilize your indigenous microorganisms that you capture. And they can sit on the shelf for years once you I just add brown sugar to them. And he makes liquid IMO and you inoculate your garden with that. I'm like, okay, for 90% of the people in my audience can stop there, or at least let's get them there before we go to that next layer with it. Because the person that works a full-time job and has five raised beds is not going to make a four, four-ton pile of IMO-infused Tom. It's not going to happen. And they shouldn't. Why would they?
0: Yeah. Well, and so I've heard about Korean natural farming a number of times, and I haven't read anything about it, which I would probably absorb better if I did. But every time I hear about it, the person talking about it is talking over here, and I have no idea what's going on.
1: Exactly. I'm
0: like, this sounds really cool. Too bad I don't understand what's going on. And that talk that he gave where he was like, here, it's really easy. This is what you do. Yes. One, two, three, four, five. Take a picture of the recipe that I have here and just follow those steps. Done. I was like, okay, now that's actually going to happen in the holler.
1: Well, and he's a yeah. good presenter because I don't mean to be mean to anybody, but, like, everybody I've ever heard present on KNF, they're like, so what we're going to do now is we're going to make I am a one. And I'm like, I'm ready to kill myself 15 minutes in. Like, I just, I, oh, I can turn this off. I don't have to hang myself. Great. And so, like, to present well, you have to have a certain level of ability to change cadence and all, and you have to be a good presenter. And just most of the people I've seen do it, they're just not. Or, like you said, they're really out there and, like, okay, I need you to teach me how to do 2 plus 2. You're doing complex quadratic equations right now, and I don't know how to get that gap. And if you take the two things together, the monotone, Bueller. (laughs) <laughs> and they're out there. I'm, yeah. You throw your hands up and you go Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. You know, like, yeah. Haughty imagination.
2: <laughs> Didn't you have a guy on the show that was doing Korean gardening? Probably with Steven. Okay.
1: I've had some other people dedicated to it. He came on for aquaponics and like right in the middle, he starts dropping all this stuff yep. with lactobacillus and stuff. And I'm like, oh, dude, you are coming to the fucking workshop. Like, tell me what I got to do. And I tried to get him last year. And we, mm-hmm. He was in Thailand the week of our workshop, and this year we were able to get him in, and man, he is freaking savant level, savant level, and so is yeah. Matt Powers, by the way. We're almost not doing Matt, because we had our last day of the event, John, we had Nick Ferguson, Matt Powers, Steven Reisner, back to back to back. Awesome. It was, yeah, it was fire hose drinking level shit. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, and all those videos are online. I mean, if you didn't see them, I know John saw some of the workshop videos or at least listened to them. Yep. Okay, here's now for something completely different from Chef Angry. Are you angry, Chef, for Chef Angry? Can y'all talk SHTF medical stockpile?
2: If you're saying stockpile, most of it's not like high-speed trauma stuff. It's bandages and gauze and wound care stuff. And Chuck from Homestead Medical has some videos on that. Bears got some stuff on that. There's there's a ton of stuff out of there, but most of it is just bulk stuff and just cleaning and debriding wounds and such like that. And then, you know, hopefully antibiotics also. But you should probably look into what is in those antibiotics that is available from medicinal purposes, right? Because once that's gone, that stuff's gone. And if you're talking actual shit hit the fan, are we talking? One day, are we talking 72 hours or are we talking like the power's not coming back on? And it'd be good to know that stuff, but I'm 52 years old and I've not seen that day where the power didn't come back on. And if you pushed me, I would say that we're probably closer to it than ever before also. So that stuff is very inexpensive to buy when it's available.
1: Yeah, Erin is also just real quick so we can backtrack before we go forward on this about the uh, stuff that Steve was talking about. She didn't understand it. One thing I do have for everybody now, there's a page on my website. Just scroll down and find it. Um, the PowerPoint decks. So all of his like recipes are in there, but I, I agree with John. Um, yeah. And my big thing with the medical stuff is don't, don't have things you have no idea how to use unless you know, you have somebody that knows how to use them. I see people investing in shit like to do like surgery level stuff. And I'm like, look, well, do you know how to do that? Are you going to sit there like watch, w- w- reading the wiki, how that you downloaded? Like, Wiki how to perform cardiothoracic surgery, you know, like don't go overboard with it. Definitely on the antibiotics, like stock up on stuff. I have all fish antibiotics. It's the same exact shit. Uh, Alton's antibiotics is uh, Dr. Bones. That that book is available on Amazon. It goes through all the antibiotics that you can buy that way, what they do, how to use them, like how to determine what dosage to use given the situation you're in how to like be really careful that you don't find out that somebody had an antibiotic allergic reaction because they didn't know that they had one, things like that. It's a really great book. And it's, I think it's under 20 bucks.
2: Yeah, Everybody it's
0: knows? funny That uh, Homestead medical said you don't have enough gods. Cause that's what I was going to say. Every time yeah. I've had a wound care situation, I'm like, Holy crap. I don't have enough gods yeah. again, And I'm looking for alternatives. So when I look at SHTF medical, I think, I think you need to do it the way we do everything else in the pantry, right? Which Jack Talks has been talking about this for 15 years now. What do you need? Start yeah. there. And if somebody in your house needs insulin, like what are you going to do about that when you can't get insulin? Like you can store some insulin long term, but if it's type 2 diabetes, can you can you reduce your insulin dependency and get through diet changes and be healthier going in? Because some things you're just not going to be able to get. And I don't know, you know, like in your environment, what that is. I think that's important.
1: But also, you don't have enough gauze. You don't have enough gauze. You never have enough gauze. You don't have
2: enough of it. Hmm. We bring that book in 100 at a time. We sell it out in 72 hours every time we bring that book in. Oh, you're
1: you're reselling his book? That's awesome.
2: We buy them wholesale from him. Okay. That's one of the best books.
1: And unlike his uh, his total guide to like everything that you could kill somebody with, it, I, I find it a lot more approachable. Uh, the other, the bigger book, is more designed to be a reference manual. Where this is actually designed to sit down and read it, and uh, it's a great book.
2: Also, look into you know what if you used up all of your gauze supply and you could no longer get it, what would you use? Look at how you're going to sterilize things. Also, look at how you make chlorine. Right, salt. Water and an electrical charge makes chlorine, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people aren't aware of that. Uh, MSR had a product called the Myox that they issued to the Marine Corps, you know, thousands and thousands of these things. And that's literally what it was. It was just a 123 battery that went to apply to rock salt and a water solution. And that makes bleach. So have that on your radar. How are you going to sterilize things? Somebody said saline solution. Yeah, saline solution would be great. What do you do when you can't get that, right? You can use sterilized water under pressure through, you know, a syringe and, and get, you know, the same effect if we're talking to breeding wounds or, you know, depending what you're using the saline for, are you using it to push other things with, or are you using it for wound irrigation? Yep. Vinegar, yeah. And then what, which of those, that iodine, that bleach, that vinegar, which one of those is going to kill tissue on contact? Which one should you use in which situation? All that information's out there. You just need to you know, read it a couple of times.
0: Or you could get training, get training. Only we knew a guy.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, And real quick to you folks that are on rumble, we don't see you in the back end, but I've got you up over here. I, if you have anything to ask or contribute, I can see the live channel rumble. There's like nine to 10 ebb and flowing in and out of rumble. Oh, good.
0: You got the rumble set up.
1: Yep. Yeah. I have to do that individually. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I no longer.
1: I'm like, Ooh, don't stream
0: to Jack's Rumble.
1: No, it nothing bad happens. It just doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work.
0: It it fails. Kind of like Facebook all yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Jack, can we get a monthly Bitcoin breakout?
1: Possibly. Um, you asked me why I'm not running these as my Tuesday podcast first Tuesdays and. The way that ended up happening, I released Bitcoin breakout when we started doing this. And Tuesday was my day to do that. And so as I stopped doing them, because not enough of you watch them or listen to them. um, I just kind of rolled with it that way. But I mean, I'd actually rather obviously use these as my, you know, once a month Tuesday podcast, because otherwise I'm doing two shows in one day.
0: Yeah, better. Does that mean you'll use next month, too?
1: Probably. There's a few things we should talk about, like logistically, but that's not no.
0: that's
1: like one of those, you know, when you have a meeting and two people start talking you're like shut up and take it outside. Yeah, 100
0: percent after after <laughs> hours chat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. OK, John, have you seen a bump in business from the investment in Wrangler Star?
2: A little bit on specific products. Um, we don't have communication with Cody when he posts those up like yesterday, for instance, he did a video on the FUPA, another little short. We don't ever get any heads up from him, hey, I'm going to do this. Mm. We hear about it after the fact. So we don't know, number one, to ramp up for the product or even have the product orderable on the website. Like if Cody was like, hey, we're going to open, I'm going to do this video, we would open the product so you guys could order it, and then we would build it up over the next week or two. Yes, we do see some bump in product um, on those specific things like the FUPA for sure. Um, we're still building fupas guys are still ordering them in in quantities so we're we're running them i've probably got 20 cuts of them out here right now um and then with those there's always some little thing that keeps it from shipping because we have so many different cards and organizers so we might have two hundred dollars in a box and then once everything's there and it's waiting on the one thing we go through and run that and we'll run you know 48 extra pieces of it but there's always something missing every day and that's the it's it's always that we might start off last night with, okay, today we're going to run these things, and that might completely change by 5 o'clock this morning.
1: I'm guessing these are what you're talking about, John.
2: Yeah, yep, it's a fanny pack, yeah. comes It works as a, a chest pack, comes with shoulder straps, comes with a waist strap. You can use it as a crossbody bag, and that dangler has a flap that flips up so you can actually put it on armor, or attach it under any of our small chest rigs, so it hang. It's called a dangler because it dangles underneath there.
1: Very cool. New product that he did not know about.
0: Okay, question. Recommendation for a homestead designer about to close on a 10-acre, 10, 10 acres of cleared land in southeast North Carolina. I know I need help designing the layout so it's efficient and not wasting precious space.
1: Well, I'm always going to give the same answer to that, Nick Ferguson.
0: Yeah, they're not oh. going to get him though.
1: No, they probably won't, but they can try.
0: <laughs> yeah, try HomegrownLiberty.com, dot com, Nick Ferguson. If that doesn't work, um, strong Nick roots does resources. Virtual. Yeah, I he does, does do virtual. virtual. Strong roots resources might come out there, and the dot com. Those are all three people I've worked with personally. I've I've gotten different things out of different people, but they've all complemented each other, which was kind of cool.
1: Yeah, one hint on if you're going to use anybody for a virtual, give them as much as you can visual of your property. Just take your phone, walk around your entire property, but do it in segments and keep them like four to five minutes long. Throw them on a YouTube channel. You don't want anybody to see them. Make them unlisted. And the more if I was doing it, which I'm not going to, if I was doing it, the more I can actually see on how your land lays. Because I can only see so much on Google Earth or your drawings or whatever. If I have those and I have a walkthrough, now I can get a better understanding. And you have to be honest with your consultant and you have to be conservative with your answers. When they say, how many hours a week are you going to work on your homestead? And you say 20, just know right out of the gate you are lying. Yep. And a good consultant's going like, to immediately make that 10, but you would be better off just being honest with them in the first place
2: uh billy bond william oh yeah out of of north carolina they did the installs here on the swales um if you can get him that'd be awesome he's close nick ferguson does travel around and the way to get nick at your place is to hit him while he's traveling so just keep in communication with him carrie brown will be here next monday i think we're putting in some 30 trees and then pulling up a bunch of the trees i put in and fixing the roots on those also
1: and I just say if you reach out to Billy and you get Billy Jr., do not think you've been downgraded.
2: You have not. Well, Billy well, Billy Jr. Junior,
1: probably, more education because he's been like he went on site for like six months at the PRI in Australia
2: with Jeff. Yep. Yeah, and, and William is who actually does the consultations.
1: Okay.
0: And he's very good
2: at them. Very good. Okay. That's who uh, came out here and laid all this out before Billy ever, you know, came in to do the the actual install.
0: Yep. John Willis, will you
2: share your future walk plans? I don't even know what a walk plan is, so I'm going to go with. That. I'm going to go with no, we're not. Since <laughs> <laughs> so they don't know what it is. I wonder if that's like an acronym for something. I'm sure. I, of course it is. I, I don't ask me in English.
0: Yeah. All the words K-bonk. All the words. Also k pro- and,
2: and probably I'm not. Also, I'm probably not sharing it. Also. Hmm. All I'm getting when I look it up is uh, like actual plans for walking. No, it's, 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 I hear it all the time. It's just not right here. As soon as he says it, I'll be like, oh yeah, duh.
0: Yep. Yeah. Nick was great on my new place. Well worth it. Yeah. He, he totally helped me transform my, when Nick Ferguson came to my homestead, I had just learned what permaculture was. I had been trying to design my homestead so that one thing fed another and I called it modern homesteading and, I thought it was this great new idea. And then I found out there was a whole design science that somebody else invented who's way smarter than I am called permaculture. He came out and immediately kept me from spending way too much money on some stuff. That was a bad idea.
1: Yeah. So he's good at that. Yeah. I found some acronyms, but none of them could possibly make out sense. Is okay.
2: Well, if he's asking about that, no, we're not talking about it yet. It's not ready to be put out there. Yeah. Homestead
0: apprentice.
2: Oh, I see what Yeah, we're not you'll you'll we left it very vague on purpose when when it's ready to be out there you will know about it yeah
1: so it's your an acronym and you don't know what it means that means you did really it's good because on it, it's right? because
2: it's it's not an acronym
1: yeah 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 i i said when i was talking to steven and matt about their presentations like when i write a contract and there's going to be an acronym the first time it comes up I write it all the way out and I put the anachronism in parentheses. We'll be referred and, to from here forth. And, and that's how you should present. If you're going to use anachronisms. like in the Army, we always ran to the slowest man in the formation. Like when you present, present to the lowest person in the audience, like without dumbing it down too much. But, like, don't assume anybody knows anything because they probably don't. And I don't know about you, but I speak decent second language. Nicole very fluent in German. I'm nowhere near as proficient, but I speak decent Spanish. But if somebody's talking to me and they use a word I don't know, if I can discipline myself and ignore that word, I'm good. If I focus on that word, they're like three sentences gone, yeah. and I've lost. And I, that's how your audience ends up for anybody out there that's a presenter. Always try to lock in and look. And if you say something and you look and you see four people do this, back up. Like, you got to read your audience, like, and say, okay, here's what I meant by that.
2: Yeah. He's talking about, we did a little video. I said, I'm about to stop talking and start walking. That's what Oh,
1: it was. all right, all right. Let's talk more walk. Let's talk more walk. That's, that's something that's a Boy Scout thing, by the way.
0: I just know after SRF, I was pretty tired, but we still had a lot of stuff to put away. Yeah. This is related. And I wasn't sure what to do next sometimes. So I just decided to do something because then that's one thing I don't have to do when there was not a big, like, If I needed five people to do something, I was like, well, I can't do that. That's the next most important thing. I'm just going to, but I can move this thing. And I think that works pretty well in life too. When, when you have a lot that you want to accomplish and you have a day where you're not quite sure what your next step should be, take a step.
2: Well, that's what Spirko says all the time. Yeah, He says, you know, when, when everything goes to complete shit. Most people are going to stand and do nothing. So when you're the dude that actually does something, you got a 50, 50 chance that it's going to be the right thing. At least you did something. And it's usually not the wrong thing, even if it's not the best.
1: Yeah. I mean, don't go jumping off a cliff or nothing, but do something. I mean, that's yeah, common that sense. Is what I've always said. And I've said it like, even in my, my business career, like the fact that I advanced so much was simply because when I got to that point, I made a choice. And like, if, as soon as it was like, Oh, that was a bad fucking choice. Like, try to do it in a way where you can reverse course and go back and try option B. And if B doesn't work, do C. But do something. Don't sit there and look at it. And I think that is good life, life advice in general. Like, okay, the thing I had planned today is sunk. Go do something else. Take a walk. You know, go train the dog. Work on something. There's, we all have lists. Like, pick something on your list and go do something with it if you can't do the thing you wanted to.
2: And even if you are the jump off the cliff guy, at least we got that out of the way, and I don't have to depend on you. Yeah. Anymore. At least we Make sure know what nobody's you nobody's
1: below you. Like if you're going to jump off something high, and, and, and end it that way, just you know, have you know, final thing, like, okay, no one's down there.
2: At least, at least nobody has you built into their plan anymore.
1: Do you know that they on the San Francisco, what is that, the Golden Gate? Yeah. yeah. They spent more money on nets yep to catch people if they tried to kill themselves jumping off of it than the original cost of the bridge the thing is they're like metal nets and they're far enough down that anybody that jumps into it's probably dead anyway right i mean like maybe it's just a disincentivized because like you're going out with a blaze of glory off the bridge you're like well shit i'm gonna lay there in that net you know it's like
2: that company that builds all the iphones they had to put nets up around because people were jumping off and fucking killing themselves
1: you yeah, know how bad is it in San what? Francisco that it's like this magnet of people jumping off? Like,
0: that just sounds like a government program right there. We're going to build nets to to save people that kill people. There's a there's an, an analogy there, Jack, with safety nets.
1: Someday I'll give you my version of the single bullet theory, but we're already morbid enough, <laughs> and it has nothing to do with Kennedy.
2: Oh, Kennedy. Well, that because that wasn't a single bullet.
1: No, no, but this is a totally different thing. Yeah, I, I got ripping off the name. I'll prime that pump and maybe I'll tell you next month. That sounds fun. It would be a government program, but it would be self-led. I'll, I'll let it go there. Just a little more bait.
0: Well, I just I now now I'm going down the metaphor road on the Golden Gate Bridge and safety nets.
1: It has nothing to do with that, but it kind of does. I'll, yeah. I'll tell you off air.
0: Okay, sounds good. <laughs> We're going to have – so, you guys, we should do, like, a subscription, Jack, for, like, the off-air conversations right after these. Yeah, like, you get to stay on.
1: We get a second link or something and you have to hear
0: this shit. Now that we're done with this – because sometimes you come out of these and you do, like, two shows off what we talked about. Yeah.
1: Yeah, It happens. (laughs) Wall of can't. I came right out of one of
0: these. What about – how do you deal with can't, Jack?
1: How how do you get off can't? Drop the T. Drop the T. That should be a teacher, John.
0: Yeah. Yep. That's just the way that
2: is. Drop the T. That's all you got to do.
0: So, John, what is going on in the world? I haven't actually kept up with current events either. Is there anything?
2: Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I'll watch a bunch of stuff today because we're doing a podcast tomorrow, but I don't. I don't have a clue. Um, you've got the the thing. You've got the shooter in Maine. Um, if you ask me, it all looks like a federal agent uh, got together and wrote the manifesto. Um, I, I just believe that um, most of it is like they've pushed these people to it. There's chemicals um, and all kinds of medications surrounded by most of these guys uh, and girls. And lo and behold, it always comes out that the, the feds knew that it was there and uh, we need more laws, even though we had laws that should have prevented it already. Um, there was, you know, they had contact with these people two months, three months, four months. I mean, the guy in Maine, they had him in, in a mental facility for two weeks prior to that. How did he get the guns back? Why do a lot of these shooters have identical guns? Like, I mean, shit, we could go down that entire rabbit hole, um, with some crazy shit. That sounds absolutely insane. Um, but a lot of these guys have the exact same rifles, uh, with the optics set in the exact same positions and the forward handguards identical, almost as though they are issued this rifle.
1: Yep, I'm looking for it right now. I can't find it. There's there's a very famous meme, a Bart Simpson meme, where he got famous, and they're like, "Say the line," you know. And mm-hmm. it's 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 Bart and the whole group of kids are like, "Say the line, Fed," and he's like. He was known to us. And then they all cheer. And that's, that's like, that's how all these come out. He was known to the FBI. He was known to the FBI. I think they've actually stopped admitting that. I don't think it's not true anymore, but it was like, it always came out almost instantly. But this time we haven't heard that from these last two that John just mentioned. I'm willing to bet if there's someone honest in the FBI that listens and I see you Langley on my server records, Maybe that that information should be known. That maybe people well, should know the truth. I see you, Langley. I sing you all the time.
2: I so see you. <laughs> Kelly S. I think it I think it's way beyond entrapment, right? It, you always hear um MK Ultra, right? That's the yeah. crazy thing from all the movies. Yeah. Uh, Rogan had a, a gentleman on that was an investigative reporter that found all of the files. Like he's written many books he He is the guy that testified before Congress on this multiple times, and he says that m k ultra didn't ever stop. They just changed the name and they progressed. You think they were able to do all of that stuff, and then they just abandoned ah, it is, never you think mind. That, like 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 yeah, we'll just stop um, their, their
1: story is that it didn't work, so they quit yeah Jordan. yeah,
2: so Unabomber sure. was m k ultra manson was m k ultra i mean the list just goes there there's a thousand of these dudes, yeah. Um, High-profile cases uh, that are associated with MK Ultra, and if you want to see this and, and actually hear what I'm talking about, just type in MK Ultra Joe Rogan, and you will find those episodes. Um, another absolutely insane one is uh, IBM and the Holocaust. If you if you pull that and start unraveling that, the people that were involved from the United States with all of that um, is another one. And there's there's a book on it but it's not on audiobooks. but there's uh Glenn Beck did a 90 minute interview with the author of that. Both those are well worth listening to. If yeah. you think like, just name something that your government um, look around, just look around everybody right now. Can you identify something your government has given you? Is there something in the room where you are that your government and you're like, man, the government really made that better. Um, and then go look at your bank account and see, what, how much from your bank account comes out and where that goes uh, around in your house or your room where you are right now. Identify something that the, the feds have done for you uh, versus what they take from you.
1: Well, they've definitely spent more of my money to give it to people that they tell me hate me yes. than they have to help me. And I think every yeah. American could say the same thing.
0: Well, who on this live stream can see a warning label on something to keep you from killing yourself from where you're sitting? Cause I'm looking at one right here. Yeah. Oh. I don't Should know. I
2: have I have warning labels every time I pull up Instagram? I have a whole section that says hidden comments now, like people commenting on my content and Instagram hides it for me.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, that happens all the time, like harmful or whatever. And I read it and it's just like yeah. it's not even something that I can stretch to understand what their rationale is in it.
2: Yep, we do. Out of all the videos we put up, we're up, we're close, getting close to five thousand videos on YouTube right now. We're about to break 100,000 subscribers probably this year. Awesome. 90, 90% of my content is unmonetizable. What that means is they don't give me any click-through revenue. Well, but what they, that also means, you. every time you guys watch it, they feed you a commercial, it, but they won't give us any give of the pay. funds for it.
1: A little yep. unrelated, but do you know what happened, Nicole? All of the videos from like the last day are demonetized from the live stream, from the workshop. Because of Matt, <laughs> no, because hatch <laughs> faded music into like the last thirty seconds, oh, yeah, yeah. so I got copyright violation. not really violations like copyright notices, like, yeah, you can't it make is- any money. the person with this. I couldn't
0: was- figure out because it happened to the Matt Powers video. I'm like, his people are on it, like it was yeah. ten minutes after that was posted, and it was like, you can't do this, yeah, I yeah. just thought his his i p people were good.
1: No, it's it, it's it's when I actually get to notice it says like there's this music and I'm like there was no music in that and when I like watch the last minute Hatch is just fading in whatever music we were going to in the interim so yeah learn something it's not that big a deal you're not gonna make that much money off those videos anyway
0: you know? right right.
1: I'm lucky if I make a grand a month, 1,200 bucks. The Hats just needs hard. to stop the
0: stream, then fade in the music.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do it in a right different thing. order.
0: Yeah. A couple of times we forgot to turn the stream off at all. So there was a lot of
1: background like, shit,
0: like just people talking in front That's of the queue. That's
1: cool though, right? You get to kind of see what it looks like yeah. or whatever, you know, maybe we could just like set up interim streams. And we just point it at the thing and just like, yeah, we're not even going to tell you, you have to pay attention. <laughs> want to sit there and watch everybody walk around, eat pastrama, and drink martinis? You can.
2: Oh, that he says drama was good. He says uh, somebody said people watch. you Yeah, I watch YouTube commercials. How do I know what I want to buy otherwise? Yeah. Amanda, we'll go to we'll go to sit down and watch a movie occasionally in the the previews. Like, and she's like, S- skip through those. I go. Then how do we know what the next one you want to watch is? Like, yeah. I am very easily. They get me all the time with targeted marketing. That's how I know it works.
0: Yep. OK, we got a question here from John Davis. How do you do winter water for your sheep? We just can't. We just cart around water and break ice. It's not awesome, but it works. You want to answer, John?
2: I've got two stock tanks. they are 100 gallons, rubber made, and I have a floating um, stock tank heater. So I, you have to have electricity for it. And when I come out, there's a couple inches of ice on one. And I set this here. And then I take that water and I use that to water anything I have to water through bulls, including sheep. And then by the time I'm up there, I'm up there maybe 30 minutes. And that whole tank that was frozen on top is no longer frozen. Those things are also black. So as soon as that sun comes out, it will melt on its own unless I have sustained negative 20 degree weather for six, seven, eight days in a row, which we did last year. And it's just boom, 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 boom. And then if for some reason the power were to go out, then I'm running heat from inside, like back, go back a couple of years ago, we would put a couple five gallon buckets of water on the four wheeler rack and motor them up where we needed them.
0: Yeah. So first of all, we, we do it a little differently than John. We're, we're rotating the sheep on 16 acres. So they could be way far away from anything. Um, but Hot water freezes slower than cold water, despite what the Internet tells you about (laughs) that. And uh, we'll bring hot water out to refill their water tanks. But if it's going to be like like John said, under 20 degrees for a prolonged period of time, like last year, we were negative five on Christmas, Christmas night, which was super cold. And or maybe it was Christmas Eve. I don't remember. We also are lucky enough to have a piece of land where there is a pond and the pond has a spring feeding it so it's running water and so that doesn't freeze. So on the really bad times, we'll we save that paddock for when there's going to be ice or snow or something so that we don't have to go way up this hill in the ice or snow to deal with the sheep and they have access to that as a backup because when it's really really cold, you're you're dumping you're dumping water troughs all the time as John probably knows.
2: So, I saw a lot I, I also I saw a lot this year about uh, two gal, two uh, quart, two liter bottles. Fill them with salt water, and then they bobber up and down in there and keep that ice broken. We're we're not that cold here, really. These were people, you know, way up north, and they the general consensus was that that worked.
1: So what I do, of course, I have a much smaller property, and I'm only worried about ducks, but it works well for us. We have pipe that comes into the house from the well. It also has a back feed into the water softener, so I'm not softening all the water on the property and then it feeds through to the water on the property when we have freezes i take an air compressor i blow all the pipes on the property out and i cover up that hose bib there and i have a drain in the bottom of it and then when the next day comes and i need water for the ducks i just hook up to that hose bib close that bottom drain open the back feed and i have water to the property Big thing to do if you do something, like if you have one place that you keep your water available, and I have heat tape on those pipes so they won't freeze up, um, make sure that you drain a hose or three. Because it doesn't do you any good. You may be able to open that hose and have water come out of it, and you put a hose on it, and you turn it on, and it's like, yeah, screw you, I'm frozen all the way through. Um, another suggestion, take one of your drained hoses, put it in your utility room, your shop, or something like that, because even if it's dry, trying to screw on a cold hose is a bitch because it's stiff. So yeah. keeping one indoors is the way to go. And that way I can, as many hoses as all drain, I can reach out 300, 400 feet if I want to.
2: We've, yeah, we've done that too. Um, and, and we're downhill, right? We have a grade. So as long as the water, as long as I can open that frost-free faucet and get water running, I can fill everything from hose, turn it off, and then run the hose all the way back downhill. And that evacuates that also.
0: Yep, here's an idea from Danielle. Dig compost hole and set water in the hole. Heat from compost can heat keep the water from freezing. I've not tried that, but I if you have, I mean, compost creates heat. So, yeah, wood, for, wood for mulch. sheep, the the issue is they're moving every 3 to 7 days. Yeah. And so like you'd have to dig holes in all your paddocks. Yeah. And that's that's why we've just gone through dumping them twice a day. When wood I mean breaking the ice or whatever, yeah. Yeah.
2: Wood mulch totally works for that, too. Like, we've got piles of wood mulch, and you can you can be a quarter mile away from the property when you're coming here when there's snow ice on the ground, and you will see the steam, steam. coming off of that wood yeah. mulch. We put about 20 inches of it in the row house, and it just sits in there and sweats with the doors closed, and it sweats up top, and then once it hits that plastic, it drips wow. back, and it actually rains inside and waters any of the raised beds that we've rolled in there. That's cool. Now, they will, if you don't evacuate that and pull that out before summer, fire ants. Ants just love that wood yes. mulch. Yeah. Yep. And anytime we're moving that wood mulch once it's been there for six months or so with the skid steer bucket, there's always reptile eggs in that stuff. There's always turtle, snake, lizard eggs, full of them.
1: Oh, you'll like this, we, we So we had three compost piles and we used most of two. And then we put the half that was left to one with the other. So we made room to make two more bioreactors. Well, when we did that, they found a little rough earth snake. I mean, it was so little that several people were like, is that a worm or a snake? Yep. So I have it sitting in my hand. There were people literally terrified of it. Like, yep. I, you know, it's smaller than your pinky. And because it's a snake. The ringneck snakes really
2: love that wood mulch out there. I find a lot of them too. Yeah. And then we're fenced, right? We've got four and five foot fencing all across everywhere. So to get to that wood mulch, these turtles, we've seen big snappers. It's like they're just, they can smell it, man. And they climb right up that fence. I've got video of turtles climbing up that, that two-by-four and four-by-four four mesh. They, they'll they climb anything.
0: Yep. So the question is, what's the solar-powered water, a good pump? And it goes on with details. Jack says, hackmyhomestead.com, because Sean Mills just did a Kickstarter examining how much pump, how far it can go for for a training material for that, so that it, we just demystify that whole question, because that, that is not an unusual question from a homesteader.
2: No. While, while we're mentioning solar, there's mini splits out there that will run off solar systems. Absolutely. Yep.
0: Although the mini split I'm putting in is pure power, baby. Pure, pure power, power. <laughs> I was, so John, I'm re drywalling on my walls while my house is ripped up because you might as it. well. Uh, and I've had that window unit, giant one, built into my wall for so long that, you know, budgetarily wasn't planning to replace this this space. And I was like, but I'm paying drywall guys and I don't want to have a patch that's square on this wall. So we just added HVAC to the project.
2: Nice. <laughs> so
0: that'll be actually yeah. something I'm really looking forward to.
2: I'm still going to run big, big mini split, small mini split. Like I don't intend to make butter, but once with that churn we just bought. Yeah. Because we have the real butter makers, but I want to know that we can make butter if something ever happens. So butter it is.
0: Yep. I traded a coffee of the month for uh, a monthly milk delivery, and I'm totally planning to make butter with that milk.
2: If you guys haven't, if you haven't seen those butter churns, man, like the, 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 the antique store butter churns, the bigger ones. Yeah. Those things are three and four hundred bucks. Yeah, like they're, they're they, they do. We saw probably twelve of them this weekend, and every one of them was up there. Low-speed
1: Vitamix. Yeah, yep. Low yeah, speed. We, Vitamix we, makes we, butter. Now, if you want to use butter to keep children from being annoyed, yeah. you give something to do, you take a quart jar, dump, dump a pint of cream in it, hand it to them, tell them to keep shaking it. It'll yep. turn into cream like almost like that, and then you gotta shake it for like an hour, and all of a sudden it'll just go to a lump and you'll hear the you know the buttermilk around it go, you know, and it just gives them something
2: to do. Yeah, we've got the Vitamix, we've got the um, the KitchenAid, we've we've got all that stuff. I've also seen ones like the they're like the big half
1: gallon or even like one gallon ball jar, and they've got a lid with a crank. Yeah, I haven't seen one of them for. I mean, when you said that, I just thought it. I haven't seen yep. one since I was like twelve years old.
0: I bet Layman sells them.
1: They do look, they do. I'm gonna look. You I mean, it's just talking. the lid and the crank too. Because why would you ship a giant glass jar right. when you don't have to?
0: Well, that's the 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 beauty for having mason jars, right?
1: Yeah, they all fit.
0: Yeah, that's the whole thing. Okay, it's called the Layman's Mini Daisy Butter Churn. For let me see if I can get a, yeah, sure. a screen share.
1: Hold on. You it have me
0: 27 years to do this, but I found it on
1: Amazon first. But okay, there it is. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, and I bet it's less at Layman's.
1: Yeah, it's 47 something there. Well, that's with. Looks, looks like it does come shipping. with a jar. It looks like a half gallon. It yeah, looks like a half gallon. If they want to ship yeah. glass. Let them ship glass. I mean, I would, if it was my business, I'd be like, get your own glass. and like, we did. I know it's gonna break in the mail, right?
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> we got we got hundreds of mason jars, uh, maybe two years ago in the mail, and the ball always came no problem. I think the ball has a better quality glass. Agreed. And then the generics, we would get a case that was completely shattered, along with five other cases in the stack that weren't. There was no yeah. rhyme. I swear they sent. I swear somebody shattered them before they sent them. Like you, you'd get this stack. And just randomly, a whole entire case of six is crushed and shattered, but all the rest in the same stack are fine.
0: Yeah, $7 cheaper at Layman's. Yeah. Jason says Have you ever used any of those water hoses made for potable water for campers that have built in he- heat trace? I don't use hoses to get water to my sheep. Like, we literally carry two five gallon buckets or um, containers on a four wheeler up the hill. We don't have hoses up there. We don't have water source except for here, and it's a tenth of a mile away.
2: So, I have not used that. I use three quarter hoses, um, that are 50 and 100 footers. Yeah. Um, and when you and it's deceptive too, when you go look at a hose that says that it is three quarter, I'm talking inside diameter, yeah. not outside <laughs> diameter. And a lot of yeah. those that are outside diameter, when you look at them, they have a half inch inlet, anyways. Um, yeah. and we also found when I put timers on there, a lot of the timers. Would be damn half inch, so it negates having all of that water flow. Yeah, it really cuts that down.
1: I, I've actually the the cheap turn timers. I've never found anything but half inch. Nope.
2: Yep. Every one of them. But and I am terrible if it about
1: saves them. me from leaving the water run for two and a half hours. Yep. Is probably worth it. It's usually two and a half days when I leave the water running. That must be a fun water bill. But we have an alarm system that's so called Ducks. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's People how like that happened. Ducks have a party. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, OK, cool. And when it goes on for a couple of minutes and it's still going, you're like,
2: something's wrong. Yep. And it's never the main water, but by the animals. It's always out of sight or yeah. you go. And when you leave the property, you're like, what is all that water in the street coming from? Like, yeah. it's just mass evacuating.
1: Well, the other thing that happens is since everything on the property is on a single well, you go to turn the water on the same. Yeah. Oh, that's bad. You just instantly know water's running somewhere.
0: Yeah. Or your filter's working, your water softener.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have mine time, so it happens like 3 o'clock in the morning.
0: Mine, too, but every time the power goes out, oh, be, resp-
1: you reset. it resets. It yeah.
0: resets, and then I'm ha- I have like this 2 p.m. thing that happens. I'm like, dang it. Yeah. I need to get that on a backup power supply so that doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, so it doesn't reprogram itself. Yeah. I need to check mine out because the time change, it's probably still fine.
0: Eric says, did the group touch on the Nashville shooter notes?
2: Vaguely. I mean, we know as much as you do. There's only a page that's out there so far. There's supposed to be a lot more that's not been put out. Crowder is the one that actually got a hold of it, apparently. Controlled opposition. Yes.
1: (laughs) I don't think he really is. I think you can be controlled opposition and not know that you are.
2: Yeah, I mean, find anybody that's out. But it's the part they wanted leaked. Find anyone that they, that's out there with big, big eyeballs and content, and you're always going to hear controlled opposition, whether it's yeah. Rogan or Crowder, anybody doing yeah. well. That's what they're all, everybody's always going to say that. Yeah. And, and we are really good about infighting amongst ourselves. Yes, if we are. If you have, if you have a bump stock or some of that, uh, that, that silly, you know, stock on your rifle or whatever, or any of that stuff that's legal or maybe illegal or, or gray area. Who's going to tell on you? It's going to be somebody that knows you have it, somebody you trusted, and yep. probably went. It's, it's a dude with the same stickers on your truck. It's a guy that looks like you. It's a guy that you were hanging out with sometime in the in past history. That's going to tell on you. It's always. It's not. It's not somebody that literally hates you. It's somebody that's very much like you. And it
1: will probably be somebody from your past that that's just not quite in sync with you, because what they do. Because I've seen this happen. They'll send agents, ATF, FBI would have you to somebody's house and they'll be like, you want to help your country? Yep. Right. They make this person feel really important. And they're like, well, did you know this is happening? And you know, do you know anybody? And like, they get to the person to the point where like they want to do more and they want to be let in. So like, then they start bleeding out whatever they know. And next thing you know, you have agents showing up at your house because you have solvent traps.
2: Most of those could be
1: used to turn an oil can into a silencer. I'm just going to say they
2: could be used to turn. You could. uh, All they got to do is just weave a Jason Bourne um, story to most goobers and they'll they'll give them anything they want. Uh, The bailing twine necklace is an awesome idea um, for letting you know when your faucet's on, you just take the bailing twine off, put it around your neck. I assume I've started leaving my four wheeler there because I ride around whenever I go someplace on the property, it's on a four wheeler. So I leave the four wheeler. So the four wheeler's right there where that faucet's open all the way up, and I know that that's how I've been doing it.
1: Okay, I know what I'm doing. I'm not going to use bailing wire because bailing wire rust. I'm just I have a ton of like cheap dog clips. Yep. I'm going to hang a cheap dog clip on every faucet that I have, every hose bib, and I'm just going to hook it on my belt loop whenever I leave water on. It's like, oh shit, like yeah, that's a br- just something. Like, two, that's a great thing. One of these other live feeds we got a hack that I thought was awesome. Like, I'm bad about not putting shit back. So what you do is you take a big tub or a big bucket in your shop and you set it at the door. And anything, like, I just, I know I'm going to put it back right now. Put it in that tub or that bucket. And that way, at least everything's in one place when you come back. That's what was in my cart that got left in the field. <laughs> whoever that
0: was he's not happy with you just and, saying.
1: And, and so to the people that tuned in after we explained that they're like what don't worry about
0: it Yeah,
2: you have to somebody rewind. broke
0: the don't be a dick rule
2: Yeah. whoever broke the don't be a dick rule mm-hmm. whoever it, it was Go ahead. whoever it was 20 people have already messaged them they know Yeah, yeah somebody
1: knows who did it Yeah.
0: Jake. what filters do you use for sulfur and iron in well water our carbon filters are getting full way too fast hmm. I filter out iron with a water softener, but I've never dealt with sulfur, and then it goes. So I filter sediment, then water softener, and then sediment again because I have suspended clay, and I'm actually struggling with that.
1: Personally. Yeah, same. I have a three-phase softener system with an iron breaker in it. Yeah. yeah,
2: And it might just be a cost of doing business. I saw somebody talking about they just had a well drilled. I was watching a video, and they said within 30 days the filter had – clogged up so they ordered more filters, right? The filters are only 10 bucks. It might just be a consumable until the problem is taking care of itself yeah. or it might just be cost of doing business and it's $10 per month and you just throw that sucker away.
1: And don't think you'll save a ton of money. Like water softeners will give you better quality water in my opinion, but I bet you I spend about $10 a month on salt.
0: Yeah. Because I only soften my year, hot I water.
1: A of salt, And I fill up my 400 pound thing.
0: I only soften my hot water because if you keep up on cleaning your fixtures, you don't have buildup. And the things that the hard water will nail are my dishwasher, my washing machine, stuff like that, and my hot water heater. So that's what gets softened. And then I get all the minerals from the water that I'm drinking. And that's why I do that. Because when I went everything on soft water, I instantly got sick. And I was like, I bet I'm not getting the same vitamin mix I was getting before. We're going to take cold water off.
1: Okay, the only girl next- in my water's calcium. I have plenty. I mean it's it's calcium, calcium, yeah. and calcium. It's and iron and sulfur. That's what I have calcium, iron, sulfur.
0: Yeah. I'm lucky I don't have sulfur. Does anybody have a manual well, well pump? Ours is currently runs on electricity, but considering adding a manual pump option. I went down that road and I had the manual pump so that like I could pump it from my my uh spring if we ever had like a long-term power out thing. And then I realized that it's so much easier just to hook up a generator <laughs> and size that. And then we eventually put in solar, a solar and battery array system that runs part of the power here. And the part of the power it runs is that. So now I like literally don't care at all. Yeah. Like it it just so I would think like, how can you get your existing system to work without power in the best way for you is a better question to ask than if you should put a manual pump in.
1: Yeah. I look at it this way. If the power's out, I'm going to run a generator. If I'm going to run a generator, my generator will run like, well, like they
2: they do make a thing called an Amish. um, It's this long tube that goes down the sleeve and then you pull it up. You're going to wind it up or you're going to pull it up. You're going to get it up, but it's a long tube basically. And it brings up however much the tube is full of water and you're going to get Basically three feet or four feet worth of, you know, inch and a half, depending what your sleeve is. It's going to take forever, but that is a way to do it. I've seen I've seen videos of it.
1: So that that thing right there about build a cistern, like it, we're playing fighting highlights now. Um, Yeah, you know, you can buy a like a twenty five hundred gallon poly tank. And it, even if you don't set up rain catch, that's a lot of reserve water. And you could put it somewhere where it gravity feeds to your house. And while your well's running, just fill it up if you don't have rain catch. I mean, and if you, um, like, if you go to Tractor Supply or whatever and buy one of those tanks, they're a lot more expensive. I guarantee you, within an hour to three hours of where you live, there's a place where they sell them direct. And they're actually really cheap when you buy them that way. And, you know, a red flag so the cop doesn't get you in a ratchet strap, and you can easily haul one of those with a pickup truck.
2: And you can use 55-gallon drums. You can use IBC totes, which are 250 to 350. The more, uh, the larger the volume of water, the less per gallon it costs. So like a a 1,000 tank versus a 2,025 and 4,000, the footprint is 8 feet on those things typically, and it just goes vertical. So you might as well get as tall as you can use if you can afford it.
1: So, Dennis, right here, saying he just bought a 2,500 gallon tank from Lowe's for $2,400. So, under a dollar a gallon. Yep. That's great, but you bought it from Lowe's. So, that tank up in Sherman, Texas, which is a good hour, it's called two hours for me, 900 bucks.
2: That's awesome. Uh, tank so, I mean, Depot. That's
1: big savings.
2: TankDepot.com has a thousand options. Um, and there is a difference between the prices. Like, you can look at a 2,500 gallon tank and see a variation in cost. It's thickness. You can also order uh, tan, uh, white, which is clear. You can get black or OD green to match what you're putting it against. And they ship from, I think, three locations, uh, East Coast, West Coast, center, um, and they have a ton of options.
1: You can always make your own, too. Sean Sean Mills talked about that in his off-grid housing discussion about ferro-cement cisterns, and they're real popular everywhere but here. Like the only U- U.S. state I know they're real popular is Hawaii, and so you can have those. Maybe you can also pour your own if you check out. There's a channel called Dexter's World. It's a little Filipino dude. His, by the way, his channel is friggin' awesome. the you I don't know if you know him, John. He does tons of shit with like tropical fish, uh, exotic birds, plus aquaponics and all kinds of growing and stuff like that. And he did some big concrete breeder tanks. I think they were like 600 gallons, and all he used so he, he poured the round base form first and then he just used corrugated steel bent into a two-sided form to pour the walls and he's got drains in the bottom of them and if you can do that you can make concrete cisterns I would just put like some sort of metal reinforcement into something like that like uh, I'm trying to think now like the grid stuff
2: like if you're gonna if you're gonna do cisterns too you can look at commercial uh, concrete work right it's what they're putting under freeways and stuff yeah. You can cap those, and you can put a cap on them too, where you can still drive a semi truck over them. Oh, okay, yeah. And if you're yeah. gonna, yeah, if and, if you're that, gonna yeah. and if you're gonna put one, you might as well put two—one for water and a dry one. You
1: and then if you're doing
2: that, you might as well have access to it, you know, from you know a tunnel or somewhere.
1: Yeah, and then you might be able to like not die. You, you can do it as a storm. I mean, there's a ton of shit you can yeah. do. All if you can dig a hole. There's so many things you can do when you can dig a hole. Excavator. I have hole envy. <laughs> so
2: you bring an excavator here, and
1: I'll show you an excavator operator saying, "I'm not putting my my excavator in that
2: shit." Yeah, you right. just gotta have you gotta have a big 320 with a, yeah. you know, what they're using to jackhammer freeways down. Here. Yeah, that's what you have to have. Yeah, everything's I, doable. It's just money. Yeah, I okay.
0: never saw <laughs> a man so happy to dig as Jack Spearco on my property digging a hole, and he just kept digging. I was like, "Wow, I don't like digging holes,"
1: but Jack, man, he's all You're like, over Like this is it. clay, clay, sucks. I'm like, Clay is beautiful. <laughs>
2: Porterhouse and Teal says he bought the 3,000 gallon from Taint Depot. Man, you should reach out to them with your channel because I see them sponsoring YouTube channels. I would I would talk to them at least about an affiliate code at the minimum.
0: Yep. Okay, question for Nicole. you still making websites. I'm researching what it would take to start a business to create a website for local businesses. Any advice? Jack, you want to answer this one? I'm doing it right now, huh? I'm doing it right now. Okay.
1: <laughs> That's my entire answer. WordPress,
2: man. We use Shopify, and if you can use if if you need a do shopping cart or a blog or anything, we use Shopify. And if you can use Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, you can use Shopify.
1: Use use whatever, but I'm going to tell you this. This is what I hear when anybody says to me, "I want to do a business, but I got to figure out a website." I'm looking for a reason to not actually do the business. I am in the toolbox fallacy mode. I'm pretending that it's 2023 when there's 500 million Indians who will build you a website for $500, that this is an insurmountable thing, that if I only had this, I could build my business.
0: I can be wrong,
1: but I think I'm right 99 out of 100. I
0: think I got from the question, though, that they were thinking about starting a business to build websites for people.
1: Oh, that's what, that's what he wants to do. So uh,
0: I don't know why you haven't started yet. Yep. It does not matter if I build websites or not. Jermaine, to you starting your own website business. Yeah. But no, I'm not. I am referring people to people I asked who there are two of them right now. And I do help people sometimes come up with their marketing position and their content draft to give the web developer before they build the site. Because you can tell a developer, I want a site with this here and that there and that there. And if you're Jack Spearco, you're probably right. But most of the time people do that. And then when they go to write the content, they realize they want a different site. So know what you want on your site first, what your goal of the site is, and then go from there. But if you're waiting for me to not build websites to build websites, then go build websites because that's not where my focus is anymore.
2: People say say all the time they have this business or they started a business. And when I say, how much money did you make this month? And they tell me they haven't made any money. Well, then you don't have a business.
1: You don't even have a hobby. If you had a hobby, you'd be doing enough business to make a little bit of money.
2: Well, I'm waiting on my business license. I'm waiting on my EIN, whatever. Guys, we we ran business for ten years and had nothing saying that we were even a business. We just did business. Yeah,
1: you don't have a business in the beginning. You have a monetization of a hobby. If you're going to worry about what your you know what's your corporate form going to be or whatever, you do that that later. Get a couple customers. Actually, do a thing. Get some money. See if it's something you want to do.
2: And it doesn't have to be Shopify. There's there's 20 different apps. Like you'll see yeah. guys say Big Commerce, WooCommerce, um, WordPress. If if you've got money and you want a nice site built, Evan will maybe do a site for you. i not. Yeah, Evan uh, Dixon. Yeah, he he does some of those, but it costs. Like I don't
0: even is, know how he has time to do that.
2: Because he's hungry, and he said that I'm not saying no to anything.
0: Uh, mm. Yeah, that's.
2: At some point, That's you have, to start, no. He's have yeah.
0: to start saying no. He's going to have to start saying no.
2: He also said that he he made more money in a 90-day period than he ever made any year in the rest of his life at a real job.
0: So I used to just snark on uh, Squarespace because their SOE – I'm sorry, SEO. John, you've done that one to me. Their <laughs> SEO is was horrible, but they yeah. fixed that, and if you – don't have it in you to learn website and you're building your own. Squarespace does build very quickly, but I still go back to it's better to pay a designer who can design to make it look good if you are not a designer because even with all the tools, if you don't have a design eye, your your site often ends up looking like crap. And if it's, you go, it's not that much money to get a good looking site.
2: If you go look at our website, it's probably five years out of date. We still get way more business than we can possibly, yeah. you know, do. Um, and 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 I'm not trying to. I don't care which one you go with. I don't care if you use Shopify. I just know Shopify. You can build a site with 99 items on there for free. Like they'll let you. You can try it out. You should be able. If you can't build a site in 30 days for free and make money, you're you probably don't need a website.
1: Now, I'll just say something else. This is, I misread the question. This is about the business of producing websites.
2: websites yep, mm-hmm.
1: I remember when there was um, a lot of money producing really shitty websites out of like something like uh, front page or Dreamweaver or something
0: Dreamweaver. what
1: like Dreamweaver. I used to use that right? And uh, then WordPress came around, and a lot of developers and designers, and then platforms like Shopify actually rolled out or uh godaddy rolled out site builders and stuff wix and i think that that's only going to become more true over time and i don't know that there's a huge amount of money in your future building the site itself ai is going to drive a lot of this the image generation is going to get a lot better once you got good image generation you can give the site format to the ai it's going to produce banners all that shit like they're get, ai image generation is getting much better at like putting actual text on an image without it looking like Russian or whatever. So like, that's all going to improve. The last thing they're going to be able to automate out is messaging and product flow and follow. So if you're going to focus, I'm not saying not to build the sites. I'm saying like the thing you need to be marketing is we fine tune your messaging and your process flow and how to actually interpret the data you get from your traffic, where it's coming from, how to get more of it, And how to, like, figure out where your sales are falling off in your process funnel. Because, honest to God, anybody can throw up a five-page brochure-style website. And anybody that doesn't do it for themselves, they just don't want to learn. And that's fine. And you can make a little bit of money on them. But your recurrent revenue, like, selling once is hard. Selling twice is easy. If you have something people can keep buying from you, selling three times is, like, automated. Like, I need more. So they come back to you. And that's going to be where you have... Like when we ran Franklin Spirica, all our money was made in marketing, development, process flow, analysis. Building sites is something we didn't even really want to do. But every once in a while, we'd have a client like, we really want you to do it. Okay, well, it's going to be $40,000. And we were hoping they'd go, no. But then they would say, yes, like, now we have to build it. Right? Like, we didn't <laughs> I would say
0: $10,000. <laughs> I'd
1: rather you take your forty grand take five and then go pay somebody to make you a good looking site. We'll consult with them, make sure they don't fuck it up and give us 35 to market for you. I can do so much more with that budget on the marketing end of things than I can ever do it on the build end of things.
0: And gone are the days where you post a website and it's just instant sales. There was actually a window of time where that kind of happened because yeah. people would find you. I made some good money that way. Um, so, you know, the fear of I'm going to launch my site and not be able to handle orders, I wish that for you. I yeah, do wish yeah, that sorry. for you. It's not what's going to happen, and getting the word out is very important. And you get the word out really skills-wise basically the same way you always have. So the, you're going to be selling, and you need to be able to drive people to your website because that's how they order. But, you know.
1: The the layup still, though, is brick and mortar product with local SEO. There's so yeah. many things. You can just own it if you learn a little bit about search engine optimization because there's not a lot of competition for, like, Fort Worth duck eggs. Like, that's just – and then you have this instant street cred because you showed up in Google or Brave Search or whatever. Like, that's the only place it's actually really easy that's left. You can also do that on, like, a national or global level, but – That's a different discussion. That's a
0: different discussion. The black
1: cat has to go on for that one.
0: Yeah, we we went on a long talk about websites for that question. Can you tell when it's time to replace a Berkey filter? Water stops flowing. Well, I'm sure you know that you can clean your Berkey filters and that stops with the clogging. But I literally choose when to replace my Berkey filters based on when it's just so slow and cleaning it doesn't work anymore, which is nowhere near... The amount of gallons they say it will work on. But as I said, I have suspended clay in my water, and even with filters, I still mm-hmm. have suspended clay in my water, and it clogs stuff up. And I live where I live.
1: <laughs> so, 30 Day Review says you guys make it hard to go get you done uh, because they want to keep listening. We, there's Bluetooth earbuds.
0: Yep. <laughs> or and download the audio the podcast. podcast. It will be out. out later today at yep. the survivalpodcast.com.
2: Yes, it will. <laughs> And, and when most people like back to the website thing, when most people say they need a website, they just need a shopping cart. Like yeah. all of our traffic comes from social media. It's our social media that drives everything. I put a post up, hey, we have these. And then I do a live every night at nine o'clock where we walk around and I show all the gear like all that stuff sells while I'm on the live feed. That's the marketing. The website is just so that they can give us money. And multiple different any way they want to give us money for the most part.
1: And, and by the way, oh man, please make it easy <laughs> for people to give you money. I have totally been on websites going, take my money. How? D- Nicole saw it once. I did. <laughs> and it was best. Yeah, he buy. was so
0: mad. I wish I would have had video going because the Jack rant that came from that moment was an epic one. And it would have probably made him more money that he could do that to websites. Y-
1: with. Y- your best buy. I'm trying to give you almost three thousand dollars. I need a computer now. What It was 2022, right? Why is this hard? Fucking Best Buy. I think you have a little budget to make your website work. And I was just, oh, it was like a good 10 minutes. Like my blood pressure was by like 190 over 150 by that time it was over with.
2: You ever notice you'll see some something on social media and you'll click, it'll take you to the site, but you can't ever find a price. You have yeah. to click a damn button to get the price. Just yeah. tell me what the fucking price is. I almost never buy something when I have to go and search out the price. The first people to your site, they're looking to see if they want to buy it dependent on what the price is. If they've got to search around, they're almost like, if you only have 10 of these things for sale, that's fine. But if you can re- if you can replicate that and you have product to sell, they need, like, make it easy. Why is it a secret what the cost is? It's because you think your product costs too much.
1: Well, a little sales tip on that, too. When you're dealing with a dude like me or John or a person like Nicole, there are certain things that we just need fucking done. We don't want to hear you talk about it. And so when we say, well, how much is it? Don't start explaining it. Give me a number. Like, I had that with a tractor guy working on my tractor during the workshop. I don't have time for any of this shit, right? He's like, well, I did this. I, how much? Well, see, I came and picked up. How much $360 done see you in an hour like that. I, there are certain things when you need them done. If somebody will give you a number and stop trying to talk themselves out of the sale, the person you're talking to will just give you money. Like the whole reason I came to that guy for my tractor wasn't because I don't know how to do it. I had 70 people up up my house. I need my tractor back. I don't have time to dick with it. If he would have said $500, I would have said here. I don't even care at that point. I need the problem solved. And I'm telling you, man, I know you, John, you're like me. If that guy's still talking for 30 seconds and I still have a number, the only reason I haven't hung it up is you already have my thing I need fixed. Like, I'm calling somebody else. Like, I I can't deal with this shit. How much does this cost?
0: I'm dealing with this right now because I had this great idea that I could get a roll-up door, like the kind that they close inner city places with, not like a garage door that actually rolls for Taj Mahalor. Get some of those installed so that it turns into a room in bad weather. And finding just, I just kind of want to know what those cost.
2: Yeah, expensive. Finding
0: that it's like you have to call, and I understand that they're expensive. I just want to know what expensive means. Yeah, yeah. I finally found a place. It's like times, $1,100 for 10 feet wide was the only place I found with one price. And I'm not sure they're who I want to go with or, yeah. And I kind of want 12 foot wide ones. So, yeah.
1: Tom says on your thing, John, sometimes retailers are not
2: allowed to show the price. Yeah, that's not at all what we're talking about. Okay. I'm well aware of it. Yep. We were an Oakley dealer. We were a surefire dealer. I carry products right now, and I tell you, hey, send me an email because I'm going to give you a better price. We are talk- We are not talking about somebody reselling something.
0: Yep. Products should be priced at the cost or need of pains. Well, COGS yeah, matters cost. too, but yeah.
1: Well, it has to be above the cogs or you're in, you're in a charity business. <laughs> yep. Also right? true. For those who don't know cogs, cost of goods sold. Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah. Roll up doors are pricey. I was expecting them to be pricey. That wasn't my deal. I was just like, am I looking at $5,000 or $2,000 or $15,000? I, I want would, to be in the universe.
2: We put in the shittiest roll up door at the other building on a shed that we built. And it was like twenty five hundred, three grand then. I would be very surprised to find anything under five grand right now. This door right here, we're probably twenty-five thousand dollars to put this sucker in right now, this real one. Like they have they've literally doubled in the last two, three years.
0: That is good to know. Hopefully somebody listening to this is a roll up door dealer. Question Do y'all have any warnings or suggestions on packing and shipping a product? I'm going to try to sell my cuttings from plant pruning on um, marketplace.
2: Shouldn't be hard, man. I get I buy plants in the mail all the time and they come from cold stream farms or fast growing trees. Um, you're selling cuttings, cuttings would be even easier. I would actually Google it because I guarantee you there's somebody that has made a video on how they ship their fig cuttings. All you gotta do is keep them moist, put them in some uh, newspaper or some paper towels that are moist and put that in a, like mine I'll come in uh, big, tall, clear bags that are sealed up and they'll come. I think I get a hundred, uh, bare root trees, saplings per box. So there's nothing to it.
1: You know, maybe order from some of your future competition, see what they did. Look at what they did. You like, look at what they did. You hate. I mean, when I started doing workshops, the way I got my formula knocked out is I went to like five big workshops and everything they did that I thought as a paying student, I think this is bullshit. I was like, we will never do that. Like that's I only had to go to
0: one workshop to, to get my, my,
1: yeah, the marching order.
2: orders.
1: <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Like somebody <laughs> already did the work, grab their shit and use it. Like you're not ripping somebody off because you know, to make sure you have flatware and plates for people instead of like some of the permaculture ones I went to, like you had to bring your own plate and all that shit <laughs> like with you in your suitcase And these are ones like most people are camping at. So like space is at a premium and they're getting on an airplane. Like if you're driving in, that's no big deal. But if you're flying in, like that's just kind of irritating shit. Like I gave you 1200 bucks and and you can't have some camp plates or something like, come on, really? And feed people fucking meat. If you do a workshop, don't don't feed people tofu and broccoli.
0: Yeah. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I 100% agree with you on that one. If you're gonna feed them tofu and broccoli, make sure they know it too.
2: Yeah. I mean you can have a you can have an option for the twenty weirdos. Yeah. It's called called DoorDash.
0: Only if you're in a place where DoorDash is. They'll deliver goes.
2: right here. They'll
1: deliver right here for you. We do some special things for people that need it. Like yeah. if we have somebody that just doesn't eat pork, we'll we'll reserve some. There's all like not all our meals are pork, so we'll reserve some chicken or beef for them or something, but we're pretty there pork was- heavy here, man.
0: There was a man at Jack's workshop who was allergic to protein, which means he has to eat vegetarian. Basically, it was like it was a genetic thing. Yeah. And that dude brought all his own food and didn't even tell anybody about it until I asked him why he was eating out of a bag. And he's like, well, because I'm allergic to protein and I knew Jack just serves meat. So, yeah, I I didn't want to be a bother.
1: He's been here before, too. And he's like, I don't. I don't need you to worry about it because he's used to it. That's like, his yeah. thing. like if you're that specializing your diet, you kind of have to, you know.
2: Yeah, we see people that bring all their own water everywhere. They won't drink anybody else's water. More oh, power it. to yeah. them. I've got and, they also, and they also don't make a big scene about it. No, no. A lot of it's for show.
1: Yeah, yeah. The ones that come in and like five minutes after you meet them, I'm gluten free. Yeah.
2: Well, you're That's in trouble.
1: Good for you.
2: There's no How gluten take, you- Shut up and eat. Well, How do you know a vegetarian? Yep. Yeah. How do you know there's a vegetarian cuz they'll tell you? How do you so know there's right. a navy seal cuz they'll tell you? How do you okay. know there's a crossfitter cuz they'll tell you? They'll tell you.
1: <laughs> you know who tells you faster than a vegetarian? Fucking vegan. <laughs> they they like no, they can't even stop themselves. It's impossible.
0: Yeah, I actually do not have I have gluten-free mm-hmm. options and I have bread meat-free options at every meal cuz we always have an alpha gal allergy, a nut allergy, a dairy allergy, and that gluten person. So you just, it's just yeah. like, well, don't eat that thing from that platter. Yeah. It's not well, that you get a special meal. It's that you get to
2: not eat something. You get to not pick that option. Right. Yeah. Which
0: is For kind of so, how it works at Jack's. It's like, you could totally go gluten free at Jack's. It's not a problem.
2: Yeah. Well, it yeah. is called the Self Reliance Festival. Yeah, don't eat a roll. Survival don't podcast. Don't eat a roll. Yeah. We don't have gluten Living free. Living free
0: in Tennessee. Put
1: your burger on your lettuce if you can't have pork. For the next meal tell us we'll put a few burgers and some chicken or some you know something aside for you we'll do that but we're not this isn't a restaurant right we're on a rant now we got to go somewhere else yeah we totally. sort of wrap it up we're almost two hours
0: yeah should we wrap
1: close to it
2: anyway
0: all right let's just go once around the horn and and wrap all John, right you go first
2: uh, special Operations Equipment, name of my company. I do a live video every night at 9 o'clock on this YouTube channel. Special Operations Equipment, imagine that. Um, I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, MeWe, Locals Float. I'm literally everywhere. Um, I do two different podcasts every week, and I do a live video every night at 9 o'clock. We can talk about whatever you want. It can be conspiracy theory, homesteading, business, anything um, in the very beginning of the video, I walk around the building and show you all of the product we make. Um, A lot of people say that we're hard to do business with, and we are uh, if you're lazy, because my bottleneck is manufacturing. I sell everything I make to the people who it's important enough to buy from me. And uh, we have a text app and an email app. I recommend being on both of those. We're going to send you a text every day showing you what we made. And if you think, well, I'm going to wait till the weekend, it will be gone the same night you receive the text.
1: Jack. Hi, I'm Jack Spierka with thesurvivalpodcast.com. You can get over to my website at thesurvivalpodcast.com. If you're lazy, I actually accommodate you. You can go to tspc.co. You'll end up in the same place. Best way to stay in touch with us, there's a tab that says get social. And probably, like, if you only want to be on one social media thing to stay in touch with everything and not be bothered by other people, I have a Telegram channel, which means you only get stuff from me four or five times a day. It's like a text message. Or you can get in with our groups, our communities, because they're great. And I also do an item of the day every day. And since I'm running this is my podcast, I want to go ahead and tell you what my item of the day today is. I've been looking forever for a meat slicer, and it took me a long time to find one. It turns out Nicole already owns the one that I picked. It's made by uh, Vivor. I think is how, John, you say the right way to pronounce it. Vivor, right? Um, I got this one, though, for a really interesting reason. When I started researching the meat slicers, like the ones I really was gravitating towards were like $100, $200 more than this one, but it had great reviews. And when you are done using a meat slicer, you have to take it apart to clean it. Because if you don't, you're growing nasty things in the back of the blades and all that stuff. So the blade has to come off. Now you have a 10-inch disc that's razor sharp all the way around. You're trying to deal with taking off and putting back onto a spindle. Yep. These guys are geniuses because they did something so simple. They, could, they drilled a couple holes in the blade center, just off center, and they tapped them. And there's an adjustment knob that you just take off the back and screw in there, and you can pick mm. the blade up like it has a handle. And they're about, again, they're like, the, the one that I was really zoned in on was like 100 bucks more. So these are like 290 bucks. And, guys, these things pay for themselves. So uh, check out my show if you haven't. And if you're a regular listener, hey, man, check out the item of the day. You can always find all my product reviews, by the way com will just take you to the page where all of it is.
2: But Jack, that's not that's not fine German engineering, buddy. I don't care. I mean, <laughs> I, I need a slice ham
1: with it, man. I, you know, I, I got you. You know, and it's like, I, you know, here's the thing, too. I looked at some that were like twelve hundred, fifteen hundred dollars units, and if I was running a small deli or something where I'm going to run it a, a long time every day, yeah, but I'm going to use it, you know, once a week, once twice a week. Yep.
0: I'm Nicole Sauce from the Living Free in Tennessee podcast, and I roast to order some pretty good Hollow Roast coffee. That's at hollowroast.com. We are in the Christmas ordering season now. If you're looking for a unique gift that won't get on a shelf and sit there and then eventually go to Goodwill, and you've got a coffee lover in your life, head over to hollowroast.com and just think about what a great Christmas gift it would be shipped right to their door. You don't have to do any work. You just write a note for me to put custom in there from you. I do it. It's done. Anyway, we look forward to seeing you next time. Make it a great week.
1: Well, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. For those of you that have never heard me on with Nicole and John before, they're both awesome people with a lot. To, uh, to learn about from. Uh, of course, you can find uh, John Willis's company at OriginalSOEGear.com and Nicole Sauce, no stranger to the audience because you're here on Expert Council, uh, Council all the time, uh, but at LivingFreeInTennessee.com. Uh, I will sign off now just a little quick exit here. Uh, I do want to remind you guys that one of the ways we pay the bills, and pro- in fact, it is the primary way we pay the bills and make sure the show is here for you, is the Members Support Brigade. If you go to the com slash members, or just click on members, you can sign up there. Guys, this is a good deal. If you use cannabis products at all, I have a number of vendors just in that one space. I put an order in for some things, some sleep aids and stuff like that uh, yesterday. And using my own discount code that you have access to, I saved 65 bucks. The membership's $50. That tells you what a good deal MSB is. So if you're not a member yet... Please consider joining with that. I will be back tomorrow. I'm really excited about tomorrow's interview. it's with a gal that calls herself Blue Lotus young girl. she's a future rock star in the world of permaculture I don't even know if she realizes what a future rock star she really is. she is part of a group called the Vegil Anties, and they their their slogan is plants don't need permission and what she's doing is they're putting in gorilla gardens in the Philadelphia Pennsylvania area. It would be a fantastic interview for choose so tune in for that. Friday, as soon as you know, assuming I get enough content from the Pikers, uh, we'll have an expert council show Thursday. I don't even know what it's gonna be yet, but we are back to regular scheduled programming. And with that, guys, I'll catch you tomorrow with that episode of Blue Lotus. Are they gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way